Oi, you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer, episode 182. On tonight's episode, the Manlings have decided to talk about those rotten rats. We drive them out of the holes, we drive them out of the mountains, and the Manling thinks they're cute to talk about. Oh, Nurgle, they got pus and goop and goop. Uh, I don't even know if I want... Of course I'm going to listen. Who am I kidding? Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you deluges of filth, diseased verminkin, and echoes of the 13 Great Plagues. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Willard. Willard? Really? Re- okay, I, 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 I still sometimes just forget how you just knock the knock the movie buff. The old like nineteen, it's like late sixties, early seventies movie Willard about the guy who's sort of bullied and and they they remade it with uh, Crispin Glover. He gets bullied oh, all the yeah, time and, all the and he controls yeah. the rats. They're his yep, friends. No, I remember now. I I I had I you know I had to. It's the episode. What else? When else am I going to pull a Willard reference? I mean, God bless America. Yeah, no, no. I was just trying to figure out like what other movie you were talking about because I was like, <laughs> Willard <laughs> came out of left field there. Yes, exactly. Right out of left. Yes, but yes, it's yes. like, uh, sure. Now I'm with you. It's all good. Okay. If you had done like Billy Corgan or something, like you know, uh, with butterfly wings. Ah, uh, no. yeah. That that's the. I didn't even think about that. That's that's a good one too. Yeah. Uh. So what's going on, brother? Nothing much. How are you? I am quite well, thank you. For early on a Saturday morning, I am feeling good. I am feeling okay. I have my uh, can of diet ginger ale and my notes and my book, and I am raring to go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, should be good. We haven't done a book review in a couple episodes, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, yeah, and then when we're done with this, I gotta head over to uh, to uh, Unique Gifts and Games to pick up the the Blood Angels Codex. So, speaking of Unique Gifts and Games, see what I did there? Did you know they're a sponsor? They are. They've they were our first sponsor. Mm-hmm. They believed in us when everybody else wasn't even listening. That is also true. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, so do we want to thank the sponsors? We probably should. Probably. All right. So the sponsors of Garage... Well, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Unique Gifts and Games. In Grays Lake, Illinois. Chaos Orc Superstore. 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 And Six Squared Studios. And if you need movement trays, check them out. The number six squared studios dot ca. I think they're dot ca. I'm pretty sure they're dot ca. They're dot ca. Yep. And and they ship. It's not international shipping to United States. They've got postal service going in both countries because they're right by the border. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for some trays, um, and if they don't have what you're looking at on the <clears throat> on the website, send them an email. Tell them you heard of on Garage Hammer, and instead of doing the uh, three in the front, two in the back staggered, you want a straight straight line? Dude, they can do it. Like, they may not have the picture up there, but if you're like, hey, I need this instead, 
they'll totally get it for you. Like these guys, they're they're super customer friendly, like 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 friendly to a fault, customer friendly. They got you, mm-hmm. and they're nice to me. So yeah, that's always a good start. Someone's got to be yeah. And we play Luchador together at Gen Con, and I'm still the champion, so we're all good. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. That nonsense is done. Oh, you know what? We should also thank uh, the Patreon sponsors. Of course. Holy mackerel. I don't know what happened after the last episode or two. All right. <clears throat> I want to thank. First of all, you got to thank the producers and associate producers. We do that every episode, right? Associate mm-hmm. producers, Matt Pagram, Phil Elliott, Shirley Tempel. Executive producer Bradley Graham, newest executive producer Misty Tempel. Misty Tempel mm. went and one-upped Shirley Tempel. Just throwing that out there. And then our newest sponsors at any level: Dagan Arnold, Donald Menerick, Ollie Grimwood, Oscar Johansson, Derek Bello, and Jeffrey Penland. Like, seriously, all of a sudden it's like, you know, I, I keep saying, hey, if anyone can throw in a buck an episode, we get a lot of those. Heck, if everyone listening did that, I could do this. Like, I would mm-hmm. just do this. And, and and then I'd set up a whole damn studio down here, and we'd run live streaming and YouTube videos and all that. I mean, for, for a buck an episode, I could totally do that. And so a bunch of people, like, took me at it. We are almost at, you know, I say how thank you to the almost 1% of the listeners. Yeah. We know we get it. We get like a, you know a handful or so more. We'll be thankful to the one percent, huh. not the almost one percent. That's crazy. So thank you yeah. to all of you who are helping out and sponsoring the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and uh, oh, and to the person who sent the little exit thing and said, "Oh, you know, I'm, you know, someone someone did a, did a cutback and they apologize because they're they're." They're like moving and having a baby, and they're like, "Oh, I need to cut back." You don't have to apologize for that. You're having a baby. Like, totally cool. I get it. Thank you for, thank you for uh, everything you've done. Um, seriously, the, the sponsors make this all possible. Everything we're doing here. So, absolutely. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, because like apparently we're on we're in we're in voicemail uh, just lull right now. Um, one seven five seven G H show six. That's zero zero one seven five seven G H show six in most other countries. But feel free to call and leave us a voicemail. I might have gotten one, but I can't seem to find it here on my little voicemail list. And I apologize if someone voicemailed and uh, and I didn't. Oh, you know what? Here it is. I just I did. Just find it. So why don't we listen to this here message, if it'll play. Hi, Dave. Hi, Alex. Uh, it's Mark here from the UK. I'm Ginger Rocks on Twitter and all the rest of it. Um, just a great show. Love what you guys are doing. I'm just listening to the latest episode on the way into work, stuck in loads of traffic. Um and Dave, I just wanted to get in touch because you made a comment about the section on other, saying, oh, nobody wants to listen to the rubbish that I'm, you know, reading, watching, doing outside the hobby. And I, I don't know, man. If everybody else that listens to this feels the same way I do, I find it fascinating. I really want to, I'm, I'm a total nerd, always looking for more content, movies, TV programs, reading material, all that good stuff. So I, I would vouch for... And even more, a 
other in the toolbox. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just the only person that's interested in that stuff. And then, uh, shame on me, I guess, for being so sad. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a pointless part of the podcast. I really enjoy it. So, um, a little bit more of other would be great. I, uh, I got into, um, Correa's books because of your recommendations, Dave. And, uh, yeah, okay. That's all. Keep going, guys. Great work. Cheers. Speak to you soon. Bye. Unsolicited testimonial, and if you didn't catch that last part he said there, he got into reading Correa's books because of me. That's Larry Correa, Monster Hunter International fame, who I saw at Gen Con, and is one of the nicest, for for all the flack he gets online and being known as the International Lord of Hate, one of the nicest guys you could meet. He's fantastic. But So thank you for that. Someone likes the other. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, my buddy Joe Sloboda, if you're listening to this, I just saw him over the weekend, and he said, after listening to the Shadespire episode, I was going to call you and leave you guys a voicemail and correct you because you kept calling the Shadespire Warbands Cruise. That's Necromunda, but I didn't know what else to call them. What are they called? They're called Warbands. Oh. But he's like, I was <laughs> going to call you, but it. I'm afraid you guys would have had to use the cuckoo clock a little too much. It's like, okay, Joe, I'm sorry. Oh, well, that's so, true. So, yes, they hey, are hey. Warbands, people. Not crews. They are war bands. Um, wow, I can't believe that calling them crews sent him into a rage that would require the cuckoo. But uh, no, that's Joe hey. is very black and white like that. Oh no, I, I I actually wonderful. I I'll uh, la- okay. I've only ever met him once, to my knowledge, um, because I don't remember meeting him before this. But last year at Adepticon, in the team tournament, uh, I played against him. Uh, he was really fun to play against. Really fun. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, he, no, he there's there's a guy who doesn't mince words either. I'll tell you that right now. So no, he doesn't. <laughs> so um, all right. Well, uh, I don't even actually have a ton of other this episode, but I will I will work on some. And hey, if you like other folks, um, just another little bit of well, you know what? We'll put that up on the news. So why don't we take a break and then we come back. Uh, First we get the khaki jobs, then we get the khakis, then we get the chicks, right? So um, we'll take a break. We'll come back uh, with the Garage Hammer News Network. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Garage Hammer News Network. 
Alright, so uh what is going on? Um I have not- I only have like one piece of news, so why don't I do mine? because uh, it's totally not game related. Well it's two pieces of news really. Uh not quite game related. And then you I know you have a bunch in your notes to, to do mm-hmm. so. Um so we have hit uh the little top thing in our Patreon sponsorship. Um, oh, before I even do that, I want to thank. Um, I want to thank um, Vince from uh, Warhammer Weekly uh, because he is helping me figure out and get my stuff together. So if we start doing the live episodes, like I promised a year ago, and I still haven't gotten, I I can't get all the stuff working right for Twitch and run it through all the systems. But we might just go to do the YouTube live thing like he does. Mm. And he's showing me how to run that. So, like, if we want to just run the episodes live while we're recording for people who want to watch, we're doing that. Also, uh, you know, there there might be a second option, but I'm going to talk to you about that one off the air. But So he's helping me out with that, uh, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, he's a good cat. And uh, But we also hit our uh, – it was, like, the last, like, stretch goal or whatever you call them on Patreon that I had. Um, Garage Gamer's coming back. So uh, once a month, we'll do a show. Uh, no length guarantee, no topic guarantee. Although, although I can, al- I, I'll tell you, it's going to be one of two things next month, depending on how our schedules work. Um, the the Gen Con episode, I cannot. I, something went wrong with the recording, and so Heather and I are re-recording the Gen Con episode. That'll be going up sooner or later. Um, but um, since we're talking about just about anything, I can pretty much guarantee that January's Garage Gamer is going to be out The Last Jedi because uh, I'm going to see that like four times next weekend at least, and Heather will see it many more than that. So we'll just be up chit-chatting about other hobby geeky stuff that we do, and the first one will probably be that. At some point, we'll probably talk Batman as well because (laughs) Batman. So... Just letting people know there's going to be an extra show on the feed every month. Thanks to our patrons who really wanted uh, an extra show really bad. So there we go. That's my news. I know you have a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so- hey, anything going on with uh, Adepticon? How are uh, ticket sales going there? For- stupid. <laughs> For stupid, 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 good. Um. So the champs sold out. Um, that's 176 players, which is anything that we've. It's better than anything we did in seventh and eighth. Um, and that's, and I mean, that it's not. It's, I don't. It's not as quick as that quickest one that one year when you sold out. I think it was like my third or fourth year playing. I think you sold out the champs in like a day. Yeah, that but, was only like 140 something. Yeah, but so still. this year it took us three weeks to do 176. Which I don't care. We oh, still yeah. did 176. That's that's good enough for me. You know Brandon, the my former student who comes over here and hangs out and we paint and he plays Nurgle. Yeah, yeah. He was here painting. He came to UGG and got a Shadespire demo. And then when they closed, he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm going home to paint." He's like, "Can I? You want to hang out?" I said, "Come on over." So I start telling him, and he's like, "Really?" He's like, "When is it?" I told him when it is. And he looks at his calendar. And he's like, oh, maybe I should go. And I'm like, well, what? Do you, he's like, so uh, we went upstairs. There were seven tickets left, according to the site. He got himself a badge. He got tickets for the champs. Uh, he's going to be hanging out and rooming with me and uh, Christian. 
Um, but so yeah, so uh, I I got I you know I just thought it was cool because he's never gone to a tournament before in his life. Adepticon's going to be his first tournament. Now he's freaking out. He's like, "Why tech? We got to get some games in. You got to let me practice. I don't want to make a fool of myself." I'm like, "I make a fool of myself all the time. You just don't want to play slow." He's like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to Absolutely. interrupt. I was just all excited. He was. You should have seen. It. He. It was like a kid on Christmas. He was so excited. Well, I can only hope we live up to expectations. We're we're pretty jacked about it. And again, we've double numbers every year since we started Age of Sigmar, and. It's just crazy. So next year we'll have 350 spots available? Is that what you're saying? Please no. <laughs> we'll have to start building terrain now. Yeah, we have to start building terrain yesterday even for the stuff we got to do. I mean, we're adding new terrain this year, so that's not the issue. It's just there's still a lot. And then it does come down to space because we weren't the only event that doubled in size. So there was a lot of other events that exploded uh, with size requirements and everything. So, I mean, think about that, though, because I was I mean, I was looking at the list of stuff they have. And I mean, you got to figure X-Wing's growing, right? Well, Fantasy Flight isn't just X-Wing anymore. But I'm saying that's growing. Yeah, Um, there's going to be they have a Rune Wars tournament going now. After Mm -hmm. they gave out all those boxes, you might as well have one. Um, And isn't Star Wars Legion going to be getting played? Yeah. So you need room for that. And that's going to be big, I think. I mean, it's. It's Star Wars. Once again, it's, yeah. you know. No, no, and that's going to be, we're going to be in one-third of the main convention area this year. So we are sharing space with FFG. Oh, wait, which the main convention? You mean that giant? The big room. The big, so not the room we were in the last couple of years. Nope. We're in the big room. Oh, I'm going to have to bring a little mat to stand on because that's got concrete floors. Yeah, I would strongly encourage you, like, gel insults or the little mats or everything. Um, but, no, that's just how big it's gotten that wow. we can't stay in that room we were in. So, that's amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, it's, I mean, I don't even know how they're going to – if this if if this stuff keeps growing, they're going to have to, like, move stuff off to satellite places. I mean, I know there's other years they had them in, like, little small rooms and stuff like that, like little – Suites and things like that. Like, I mean, they seem to be jamming us into every little corner. Um, yeah. And now stuff's growing. I mean, I li- don't get me wrong. I like that place. I like the Schomburg. You know, it's it's a nice place. But it's they're it's it's amazing how much Adepticon has grown in the last just couple of years. Like mm-hmm. it's it's. I mean, I remember. I, I haven't been there the whole time, but. I was there before they moved, and I remember how much. I remember those last couple of years when they had just games out in the hallway. And yeah, stuff like over at like, the West End. Yeah, at the West End. I was like, oh my God. Like, and it was getting cramped and getting cramped. And then, how many years have you been at, at Schomburg? Is this the third year at Schomburg or the fourth? This year? is going to be four. This is the fourth year. And yeah, our it, last year of eighth edition was the first year we were at the Renaissance. That's right. That's right. Um, and now it's like. I'm not saying you're outgrowing the Renaissance, but it's like it's it. I, We're pretty close. Yeah, it's like where else can you go at this point unless you go out to sat feed it out to some of those little satellite places? It's just like wow. I mean, it's 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 getting it's getting kind of crazy. I mean, it you know, I, I I'm just impressed when I see like all these things building and all these different game systems needing more and more room because we're getting more and more gamers into play because obviously if all the systems are growing then we're getting more people to 
in, which is really cool. We've got more gamers coming, more people wanting to play. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. So speaking of Adepticon, I we are running a team tournament primer at Grognard Games and Roselle on one six. So it's January sixth. So we have room for thirty two teams. So you can go ahead and call the store to reserve your spot. So you only need one member of the team to call to reserve the spot. Uh, we're working on an entry fee to cover price support and everything. It'll probably be about fifteen to twenty bucks per team. So we'll have that going on on the 6th. So you can check it out. That's on the Grognard Games Facebook page. We'll have more details posted shortly. We had to update the rules for the team tournament on the website. So had to make some small changes. This way, Zinch doesn't get 18 Destiny Ice and a few other things. Oh, yeah, Zinch and Zinch, that would be. (laughs) Yeah, that's not right. No es bueno. No es bueno. So... We had to make some slight modifications, so we'll have that up on the website, or up on the Facebook page, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, one day, three games, pretty quick and simple. We'll be using rules and scenarios we're going to be trying out for the actual team tournament there, so go ahead and check it out. Come on out if you can. And then, just over Twitter, from I believe it was Mini Wargaming, we saw a picture of the new Beast of Nurgle. And he's I have adorable. Not seen this picture yet, so he's so cute. <laughs> he doesn't look like a demented pickle like the current one does. He looks more like one of the older ones. He looks more like a snail with a bunch of tentacles and stuff. Ah, but he's absolutely adorable. He definitely jives with the mulch vibe. So it, it'll be good. I'm hoping that we'll see some more Nurgle stuff coming out, but. No, for right now we just got that little grainy picture from Duncan's paint desk, and he's adorable. So, that's cool. And then we've got the big Christmas boxes that have come out for all of the, for like the Karajans, the yeah. Arcanites, the Stormcast, and I can't remember the other one. I'm not certain. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have, uh, there's there's so much cool stuff that's been that's been coming out, so... Yeah. Um, and then before we get on to the toolbox, I do want to take a second to talk about some emails because we did get some emails uh, since we recorded the Plague Garden episode, that heavy, heavy episode. Um, so <laughs> I've gotten a number of people reaching out to me and we've gotten a couple emails to the show from some very brave people either talking about their own struggles with mental illness or that of their friends and family members like specifically talking about depression and I honestly haven't figured out how to respond to these folks. I mean, I'm a trained as a therapist and I just don't, I don't know what to say. Most of the time that someone would reach out to a stranger that they only know from a silly war gaming show to say, thank you to highlight mental illness and remind people that they aren't alone. Um, we weren't, I wasn't expecting this kind of response, honestly, and we weren't planning on doing a PSA about mental illness, but apparently it's done some real good. So to all of those who've contacted us or me, we're thinking about you and your family members. It's a long road ahead. Try to keep your heads up and remember that it's only going to get better, even if it hurts like hell right now. Yep. So thank you all. Keep up the fight. You're not alone. You'll make it through. So. That's my little PSA for today. So, 
but thank you guys again. So do we want to move into the toolbox? Um, yeah, I guess do we have any might, other news? I can't think of any. If I missed something, I missed it. I mean, it happens. Well, Necromunda. But... Oh yeah, that came out. I dude, I kind of like the rules. I'm I'm I like what I'm seeing from Necromunda. They uh, they sent me a copy and they said take it out and I built it. Um, Harrison and his friends are actually they sort of absconded with it, and they're like they're playing the heck out of it. Um, you know, it's it's streamlined again, just like Warhammer Quest was, and it's fun. I don't I don't get the beef and the with the. With the expansion book, you could play it with your, you know, building your experience and doing stuff just like you did before. I mean, not exactly, but close enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they released the teaser trailer for the Orlocks. Yep. Which are pretty nifty models. Not going to lie. No, they're they're nice. So. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I could have sworn there was one other thing I wanted to tell people, but it can't be that important because I would have remembered it. So. It's okay. Yeah, we'll move on to the toolbox. And that's the news. So, toolbox brought to you by Chaosark Superstore. Chaosark Superstore. Chaosark Superstore. Chaosark Superstore. There we go. All right, Alex, what kind of hobby have you been doing? A lot. Uh, It's been a lot. I got the... Skeleton Warband done for Shadespire. Nice. So I did them in a, like the Dark Angels green, like the Caliban green, mm-hmm. just to do something different than the purple that everyone seems to be doing. So did that. I also finished my Sniper Scouts and Devastator Squads for the Salamanders for Wapaka. I'm working on the Razorback Assault Cannon turrets. The main chassis are done. I'm really hating these things uh, just because I don't like I hate painting tanks to begin with. Big flat areas bother me. So once I get through these, I just have two more rhinos and a couple other things, and then I'll actually be done with an army. Holy smoke. And then, so everybody knows, Flagellants 71 through 80 are being assembled as we speak. (laughs) So I've definitely committed to it and just got to figure out how to fund it. So There you go. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of angry... Angry people coming at you. And then started back up on the secret project for Adepticon. I'm actually going to get to play this year in the team tournament. That's actually going to be a thing. And if it isn't, I'm going to be very disappointed. But Yeah. So John Winger and I are working on a project for that. And hopefully it'll be okay. I don't think it'll play very well. But that's not what it's about. It's about looking cool. Well, yeah. And, you know, and. As long as you're having fun, that's exactly what you're there for. So, exactly. Exactly. So, how about you? Uh, I'm still working on the ultras. Um, okay, so I did that YouTube video where I tried to do speed painting, and I'm like, nope, not liking it, not doing it. This sucks. Um, I think part of it is sitting around and trying to do that edge highlighting with you know when, you know between you know when you're layer painting. Because they got all these, like, everything's got a little notch or a cut or a little, you know, box or a gear. So it's not just, like, going around the edges of the the leg parts. There's all the little things inside it that you have to go and edge mm-hmm. up. And it just takes forever. And I'm not having fun with it. Like, you know, it's like I, I, I want to take the time and do my AOS army, like, super nice. Um, I kind of just 
want to get my army for 40k done um yeah i've had a bit of an epiphany i think i'm I'm having these like a lot recently as i'm doing hobby and painting the past like two weeks um it's like i want to get better and paint and have them look really good like that's a, a that's honestly a goal of mine is to become a really excellent painter you know i'd love to have an army i do actually get considered as a best painted like you know when they pull like you know the the you know these are our 10 choices or our 15 choices or at least get people who actually vote you know if i even just got a couple of votes you know like people who really thought that was worth it that would be really cool to me like i don't expect necessarily even to win but i would love to just be in the running like be considered to be that quality and i'm not okay and my stuff's good and it's gotten a lot better ever since they put out those stupid painting videos with duncan you know mm-hmm. um but I'm like, I just need to get these ultramarines done, and it's not my main game. And I, I think I keep telling myself that's not my main game. So let's just paint it up so that it's table worthy, and I'll be happy with it. Uh, which I know I won't, because once again, my OCD will kick in, and I'll be like, I need to go back and touch it up. But I'm doing it anyway. So I took these. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try air, just dry brushing. I'm just going to try dry brushing on the edges. Even when you look on the app, like the dry brush one never looks as good as the layered one. But I'm like, I'm going to do this. And so I did it, and parts of the flat parts got a little chalky, and I was like, eh. So then I grabbed the wash, the blue wash, and I just kept blue washing the center. And it mm-hmm. it actually kind of blended it in. Like, I started dry brushing, like, when I first started playing, like, 10, 12 years ago, and it got all that chalky look on it. And I was like, dude, dry brushing kind of sucks. Like, it's fast, but it's terrible. And I never really tried it again. And suddenly I was like, oh, this actually could be pretty good if you're careful with it. Mm-hmm. And so I dry brushed up all my devastators, and it's like, oh, this actually looks good. It's not bad. It's kind of subtle. If I wanted to go back and you know, edge highlight now, not all the little bits on the inside, but just the major edges of the big parts of the armor, I'm like, I could do that, and this would look really nice. So I'm trying to plow through that and do um, work a little more quickly. Um, and it's and it's happening. Like all of a sudden, it like, oh, I got all of these guys highlighted in an evening instead of four or five guys at a time so that worked um what else oh so i'm seeing a lot of things this is the other thing like i'm i'm getting frustrated with these guys because it's hard to like i've got them all assembled except the heads because i realized i can't paint the helmets right if they're stuck inside the the gorget on the armor you know what i mean mm-hmm. um so I have all those separate. I haven't painted any heads. So I have a bunch of headless Marines. And that's that's neither here. That's cool. I'll just put them on little pins and, you know, like other people do. Um, but I've been seeing, like, it's hard to get in there and get the weapon painted because they hold it right up to their body and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at other painters who are showing up pictures of, you know, they got a pin in the in the arms and gun, and that's on a separate piece. And people were just like painting like all the pieces separate and then assembling them because everything's so close. You want to get in there? And I looked at that and I still I'm looking at going. I don't know if I want to do that. Like, <laughs> no, I I I haven't. I wouldn't. It's again, it's not our main game, and I don't know. But even with Age of Sigmar, it's like do I do I keep all the shields off so I can paint everything really well and get in there? Do I want to do like all these things? It's like I mean that's that's the next step up to really you know making sure everything's great, and if you really want to get considered, I guess those are types of things you have to do. 
but it just seems like I already don't paint fast. You don't paint with the shields off? Uh, no, I the mine are fully assembled. Damn. Yeah, just like in the video. You watch Duncan's video. I do the whole thing. Oh, no, I have to do shields separate. Do you? Yeah. See, I just, no, I get in there and blip, 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 blip. Um, because uh, I just do the backs of the shields, that solid black, you know, and uh, I just black those out. And then, uh, no, I, yeah, everything. It, it I've only recently started doing sub-assemblies on things, and it was mostly on the uh, the Drakoth Riders and the uh, and the um, Celestin Prime mm. because those need to be done in sub-assemblies. But yeah, yeah. I put it all together. So it's like, so I'm kind of learning new techniques like, or relearning old techniques, maybe you'd call it. Um, but that's kind of what I've been doing. Uh, you know, I've got them, you know, so now they're they're blue with uh, highlights and um, I've got almost all the guns finally painted in in black. So I got to go finish up. And once I finish up the guns, then I'll go back and get the rest of the bodies all done up nice. And then I'll do the heads, but I'm getting close to finished. Well, not close to finished, but a lot. I made a lot of progress quickly um, with that. Um, I also pulled out my <laughs> my other Age of Sigmar starter set that I never got to building. That just you know I that I had traded for. So I built the other ten liberators, and I primed them on that last weekend when it was warm. So. That brings them up to like forty, but the only problem is I think I've got forty, but like eight of them are champions because mm-hmm. you know. So it's like, so I've really got like thirty. I could do a unit of thirty now, though. Yeah, with with, with one champion. Um, I don't have the variety that other people like. I don't have grand hammers or great blades or any of that stuff because I've got the guys hammer and shield. But it's simple. I don't have to think about where one certain guy is. And the, the hammer and shield guys, they're not dishing out the damage, but they they can they can hold a uh, a uh, they can hold a objective really nice. So mm-hmm. I'm not complaining about that at all. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been uh, that's what I've been doing as far as hobbying goes. Uh, unless making purchases counts, and then I did. Uh, Black Friday shop on on at uh, the Battlefoam website, um, and I it's like I don't buy a lot of stuff because I have a lot of Battlefoam, but they had something uh, for the um, oh what's it called? What did I get? Shadespire. Yeah, Shadespire. But it's uh, oh it's it's the Pack C four bag with the Shadespire loadout. Um, the Pack C4 bag is one of the smaller bags. You could just put all the game. So you can put all the parts in there. It comes with foam for all the existing crews. So you can put that in there. The nice thing about it is um, it's got a zipper on the bottom, too. So you, like, you unzip and you got the top with all your pieces and your models. You can flip it on its side, unzip the, the back side, and it's got um, a three-ring. It's basically a three-ring binder on that side. So if you put all That's your clever. yeah, so if you put all your cards into those cards, the, you know the big nine card card sleeves, um, you can stick that in the back portion, and you can have all your cards clipped in there because there's a three ring binder built into it. So I saw that I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That's ex- that's literally exactly what I needed. So everything hmm. can just go in there. You know, you have you know the the 
the extra set of cards, all that stuff. Everything's in there, so it's it's perfect. So I did pick that up, um, and I'm, I'm it it just it literally just shipped the other day, so I should have it this week. I'm very excited to get all the stuff in there and see what's going on. So that's it for Sweet. my hobby. It's a, a lot a lot of talk to say I built ten liberators and painted up some space marines, but. That's okay. So what about your gaming? Have you gotten some gaming in? Yeah, been doing a little bit of gaming. So I just got off of a uh, Nerds Weekend with some old friends like uh, Dave Coolis, Joe Sloboda, Marty Gaska. Uh, we all got together, played some Arcadia Quest, and we went through a whole campaign of that. It's from Cool Mini or Not. Yeah. It's a pretty fun game. It's like Munchkin mixed with Zombicide and everything is a chibi. So... It was actually a pretty fun game. And then we also did a four-player game of Shadespire, and we had one of each warband represented. I oh, ended cool. up... Yeah, it was pretty... It was good at a four-player. We, I've not done the three-player games of Shadespire, but from what I understand, three-player is a little clunky for whatever reason, but four seems to work just fine. I, hmm. uh, I ended up playing the Blood Reavers, and I ended up winning, and according to Joe, I set a house record for how many glory points I got. So, wow. you know, take it. It was 16. The previous record was 15. So, oh. But they were kind of surprised. They, When Shadespire first came out, I think a lot of people overlooked the Blood Reavers. And because they're squishy and they don't hit very well. It's like, no, they, they hit just fine. So... No, I'm really enjoying them, and I'm actually doing some more demos later today of Shadespire uh, with some other friends. And then I've also gotten in a couple of games of 40k and AOS. I got to play against the new Astromilla Terum with the Salamanders, and I just about pooped myself a little bit. It was it was a little rough. <laughs> <sighs> Man, that's a lot of guns. Yeah. So they yeah, need them though because they they're squishy. I don't know if he necessarily needed them. He still had a lot of infantry, but fortunately, flamers like a lot of infantry. So, yeah, it was pretty okay. It was it was a good game. I've just had horrible experiences playing Astra Militarum, and they're one of the reasons I stopped playing 40k for a long time. Ah, was just how stupid that army was because it didn't do anything. It just sat there and shot, sat there and shot, and that kind of thing bothers me. So. It is what it is. It was still a good game, though, and I got to try out a new Stormcast list using a full proper-sized Vanguard wing, and that thing is amazing. just going to throw that out there. Yeah. But, yeah. I was only using a 20-pack, though, but still. I got them down to a one-up re-rollable save. It was, it was rough. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was good. But anyway, so that's about it I got for uh, gaming. How about you? Um, I was playing. Um, <laughs> I was playing some board games um, just with the family because um, Heather and I wanted to replay a few things before we redid the Gen Con episode. So we played the uh, Bob Ross Art of Chill, where you have to help Bob Ross make his paintings and earn chill points to be his cool and calm as you can be it's fantastic um it, <laughs> it's such a dumb game but i love it um we also were playing a game called donner dinner party 
where you're part of the Donner Party and you need to fend off your uh, your fellow uh, party members while staying uh, fed yourself. Um, the Donner Dinner Party? Yes. Are you a reindeer? No, the Donner Party. You know, they went headed west, got stuck in the mountains, and had to eat each other. You are unaware of the Donner Party, one of the most infamous cannibal stories in American history. I'm sorry, cannibalism is just not my thing, man. I mean, Trey Parker made a home of his first movie for Troma was Cannibal the Musical, based on the Donner Party. Yeah, that's great. They were heading west, and everybody said you can't go that way right now because winter's coming and you'll get stuck. And this dude's like, "I can get you there. Don't worry about it." And he led him up into the mountains. It snowed like hell. They got stuck. They wound up having to eat each other as you know, as because they were freezing to death and dying and they had no food. And so they made this game called the Dude, I was there at Gen Con. We get the game and they had the game there and they if you got the game, they had uh little fork and knife and napkin packets like you get at the when you at, when you go to like the fast food that are all in the little plastic sleeve and it said Donner Dinner Party on it and you had little salt and pepper packets and stuff too. It was so morbid. It was wonderful. Okay. I feel slightly smarter and slightly dumber at the same time. And, Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Well, and then, like I said, you, you, you play cards and things like that to get your opponents to, you know, get, make sure that people have food so that you don't have to resort. You don't want to fall into, you know, cannibalism. And then you also don't want to fall prey to cannibalism. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more fun uh, than it sounds because it does sound really crazy morbid. Um, but it's fun. Um, so that's what we were playing. Now, last night at uh, Friday Night Warhammer at Unique Gifts and Games, um, I played against uh, this this guy, uh, Craig. Now, he's uh, I just met him. He I met him at the Shades. I gave him a Shadespire demo, and uh, he hasn't played in quite a while. Um, but he's, like, interested in coming back. He wasn't playing Age of Sigmar. So he brought a 1,250-point Death Rattle army. And so I'm like, I'll bring 1,250 points of Stormcast. Let's do that, you know. Um, and I always only had a couple games, so I didn't want to go crazy with it. I'm like, you know, I'll just I didn't know what his level was at yet. Um, and he pulled out his army, and he had two units of 40 skeletons, a unit of 20 Graveguard, and then a couple of characters. Um, that's dumb. <laughs> this time, uh, like, he had... His skeletons surround my unit of liberators and uh, they had like 60-some-odd attacks, and then he Van Hells them, so then they had like 128 attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still kind of are crummy, and I had my guys with you know the three-up re-rolling ones on my liberators. Sure. So like he did a – like some, and he killed one guy. But then I'd kill like six of his with my liberators, and he'd be like, okay, now I put back D6 because I have a banner. So I was just like, oh, what? And then his graveguard came in and just eliminated everything. Mm-hmm. Those things are good. And then he's got the, the command ability for his leader who could give you plus one attack. Yep. So he had a unit of 20 graveguard. He managed to get with you know with the one-inch reach and get it two ranks, right? Mm-hmm. So he managed to get almost 17 guys in around my unit there when he charged in. Uh, with the plus one attack, he's doing 54 attacks. 
Uh, you know, if you roll to wound on a six, then I got to roll the saves on those separately because those do two damage apiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, the, oh, he just deleted a unit of of liberators. Of uh, it was, I mean, there were small units; there were only tens. But I was just like, "That's." Go-. I'm like, "Oh, that's gone." And then it was like, uh, "So I got, I got kind of beat up." Like that, mm-hmm. I haven't seen anybody playing Death Rattle. Like everybody's yeah. playing flesh eater courts, and I'm like, okay, these skeletons are so cheap, and a big block like this of forty gets so many attacks, and it's like they don't kill anything, but they also you just keep putting some back too. Mm-hmm. I mean, now granted, if you can get in there, now, I tell you this, I tell you after that game, you know what I did? Hmm. Uh, he took off. I was cleaning up. Well, we had just finished cleaning up. He took off. I was there. Uh, I bought another box of uh, Stormcast Paladins. I, I'm going to make some decimators, I think. <laughs> Next time I face okay. a horde army, I'm going to have guys who get as many attacks as there are models within range to attack because, oh, I couldn't. I just I couldn't do enough damage. I just could not do enough damage. With guys doing one damage apiece uh, with two attacks on that was just crazy. It was I mean it was fun. We had a good time. Uh I just was I was I was laughing. I'm like they do what? I'm like really? Yeah. And next thing I know, like we were uh, I forget which uh we what scenario were we playing? We rolled up a scenario and uh we play Oh, we were playing Duality of Death. So mm-hmm. it's just the two just the two objectives. Sure. And he grabbed one turn one, and I didn't get to mine turn one. I grabbed a turn two, so he's already ahead of the game. And then it was like we only had a couple characters because it was 1250. So he, he wiped out the unit, and I only had the one character on the side where he was. It's like I have to take that out and get that objective or else I can't win the game. And so we're sitting there looking. I'm like, well, if I were you, I would just charge your graveguard into that character because if you take him out, that's it. And seventeen of them went against my lord, Lord, Lord Celestant, um, with you know uh, staunch defender, and uh, they did a lot of attacks. But they only needed to do five wounds, and they did six. So that was game. I'm like, all right, you win, man, Mama Lucia. That was pretty crazy. So that was my game, and I, uh, I tell you what, that almost got me excited to start. Uh, Rebasing my undead, I was just like, "Oh, that's so. That was so good. That was so much fun." You should do it. Uh, I can't because I can't rebase the zombies, and so until I get a new place to get zombies, it's, I, I just I don't want to. I don't want to do the mantic ones again. I, I want. I'm waiting to see if uh, to see if uh, what comes up next. If they put out some zombies for that unit, I will definitely switch over to there. But right now, I just want to finish up my stormcast and my. Uh, my uh, space marines, and I'm thinking next I'm going to have to dig into the boxes I already have. I have a small force of uh, fire slayers that are just sitting on the shelf saying, "Hey, build me, build me." So, mm, dwarves. Yep. Yeah. Of course. What do you think? <laughs> so, and even that's got to get on a little hold. That's why I got to finish up these space marines because I promised Kira as soon as I finished up my army for Paca, uh, I will put my stuff aside, and she and I will sit down and just paint her ogres together. So instead of me okay. instead of me just showing her how to paint her stuff and letting her do it herself, I said, "How'd you like me to sit down? We'll just dry brush the heck out of these things and get them done fast, so you have a whole army painted, 
Um, and she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, that's great. She's She just wants them painted, you know, and and done. So we're going to sit down and do that over break. So I'm going to paint a whole ogre army over over winter break, it looks like. Fun. Oh, yeah. So that's that. That's it for my gaming, too. So you got any other? Yeah, I got a little bit. I finally got around to watching John Wick 2. And it was good. It just wasn't – it didn't have the heart of the original. Right. So. I agree. Although I, I've seen it again, like, since then, and I do like it. I, yeah, I, I'm I, not saying I don't. It just wasn't the level of John Wick. Right. Although it did set up a nice John Wick 3 there. Of course it did. Yeah. I really like those movies. It's <laughs> just yeah. so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also finally got around to watching both seasons of Stranger Things. Wow, you're ahead really... of me then. Yeah. Wow, okay. I haven't finished was... season two yet. I've been busy. Oh, yeah. No, it was a good show. It took me a couple episodes to like really get into it. But once I did, it was like, yep, we'll finish out the rest of this. So that was really good. And then Carrie and I watched through what might be one of the best shows that I've watched in a while on Netflix. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. My it's, sister watched that and said it's great too. I want to. I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah, it's not safe for kids. There's a lot of naughty language, but it seriously is laugh out loud funny. And I don't say that like LOL or anything like that. No, it's legit hilarious. Very well done. Very well acted. And I'm really hoping to get another season going because it's. Fantastic. Cool. You're like the second or third person who's recommended that to me, so I definitely want to watch that. You should. You really should. It's got a lot of good actors in it, and Tony Shalhoub is in it. Uh, Jane Lynch makes an appearance. There's a lot of good talent in that show. Cool. And then I've also been reading Spear of Shadows in the downtime when I have downtime, so it's been pretty much nonstop. I've got that set. That I've got to finish thousand suns we recorded the thousand suns is split in the three three books you know or three parts but it says book one book two book three in the book and we recorded book one for after olinor which i've got to finish editing and get sent to uh to the guys over at uh the uh free buddhist network uh so i gotta finish reading part two so we can record that so it's like as soon as I get that that book done, then I'm going to read Spear of Shadows. I've been told I got to read that, and I've the, obviously the I can't think of the title, but it's got the it's got the um, awesome awesome Caradron Overlords. Oh, Overlords of the Iron Dragon. Yeah, fighting against the Zinchi dude. So sure, yeah, They're dwarves. of course. Um. So what else have I? Got? You got any other other? <laughs> no, I ain't got no other other. No other other. Um, okay, so if you don't know yet, um, Black Library is now on uh, Audible, which yep. is just awesome. I think I mentioned it last episode, and I've picked up a couple of Age of Sigmar things, but I've also picked up, I've started re-listening to the books, uh, I've started buying the Horus Heresy books and listening to them. Um, I did the first three, you know, the original trilogy, I like that. I'm on Flight of the Eisenstein. Um, I'm just really, I just, I love these stories and the guys who are reading it do a really good job. Um, sometimes you hear a listener and it takes a little while to use of their voice. That happened to me with the name of the wind. Nick Podell took me a while 
to get used to him. Like I'm like, this guy sucks. And then about a few chapters, I'm like, this guy's not bad. And now I really enjoy him. But it's like sometimes you got to get used to that that narrator style. And <laughs> these guys are just, I'm just, I'm in. Like there, there was, it was, it's really good. So, um, I took a break from the the Expanse series to uh, to just kind of throw these on when I'm not listening to podcasts and stuff. Um, what else? Um, oh, I got my, I've got my tickets to Last Jedi. I already told you I'm going to be seeing it like three, four times on opening weekend. So we're waiting. Mm. We're waiting for the the Regal Super Ticket for Heather. They put it out for the last Star Wars movie. Sure. You know what the super ticket is? No. Okay. They sell you. It looks like a credit card, right? And you buy this card, and it's good for one showing of that particular movie that you bought it for. One showing per day, as long as it's running at any Regal Cinemas anywhere. Nope. 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 It's the cost of like eight shows. But Heather saw The Force Awakens like 14 times at Regal. Why? Because she really got back into Star Wars hardcore. Like we're a Star Wars family. And she just kept going. I get it. She would go on $5 Tuesday. She'd go after work on $5 Tuesday like every Tuesday. She would just stop on her way home from work. Or else she would either stop on her way home or if she had time, like one of the kids would get to go with her. And... It's, it's they're they're better on the big screen. I mean, I know you can get them on DVD in a month or two, but it's just hey, that's what she likes to do. No, I I know. It's just I can't imagine sitting through anything that many times. Oh, like I, do. I don't even know if I'm going to go see it once, let alone. Oh, see, I I love going to the movies, and I do it quite a bit. In fact, when I was back when I was in college, I remember when we were in film school, we would go to movies we really wanted to see. And we'd buy tickets, or, or else we'd buy or just sit in the theater if we were if we were broke. We would just stay in the same theater and not leave. And we'd watch it two or three times on opening day. Once to just sort of enjoy the film. A second time to sort of start looking at things and start picking. And the third time, you, by that time, you've already seen the movie a couple times. You can really start to be critical, start picking out continuity and, and little acting things and little sublines and things like that. And we do that. I do that all the time. Like I just... I don't know. I'm really hesitant to go see it because I don't want to be episode five 30 years later like they did with the first one where it was just episode four 30 years later. So it's not really just episode four 30 years. Are you later. sure? Are I you am sure? sure. I'm positive. Yes, they Only built another Death Star. They built another. De- OK, I'm 99 percent sure. They built another Death Star, and they and, and they kept a lot of the beats from the first one, but that's because they said, hey, go back to what the people loved because they didn't love episodes one, two, and three. I think episode okay. two you're going to see, yes, is it going to be dark? The second part's always dark. Of course it's going to be dark. Is it going to be The Empire Strikes Back? I don't think so. It will be. Come on, no. Just enjoy it for what it is. Come on. They said that about Transformers. No, Transformers sucks. Michael Bay needs to be beaten. I know, but I don't even like the way those things look. I don't even like the way the Transformers look. Like they don't. They got all that weird, extra weird, angly, metally weird. Like they look like kind of like Cyborg looked before he changed himself at the end of Justice League. I don't like that weird living metal, spiky bitty part look because none of it makes any sense when you're looking at it. I just hate the Transformers movies, and it makes me mad because I loved the Transformers when I was a kid. Like I 
you know, I had a bunch of them. Barnett and I and my friend Dale, like, would just go out and get Transformers and G.I. Joes. And we loved those shows and the, and the movies and the comics, and they ruined them. And Michael Bay said something like he's got, like, 14 more scripts just sitting waiting to be produced. So if people keep going to see it, he'll just keep making And I'm just like, stop going. What's wrong with you people? If you stop going, they'll stop making them. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We're off on a tangent there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so I got my tickets. We're go- I'm going Thursday night with some friends. And then Friday, Heather and I took off work. And um, the shows start over here at Gurney. Dude, Gurney has 54 showings of it on Friday. Two of them in Spanish subtitles and two of them dubbed in Spanish. But those aren't the ones I'm going to see. So they start actually, the first show is at 6 in the morning. And it goes until 2 in the morning. So there's almost it's almost 24 hours. A day Good that they're creamy. running them, yeah. So we're, we've we got tickets for the one theater, and we're just going to go see and sit, and we're going to watch it probably three times that day. We're going to put Kira on the bus to go to school. We're going to go to the theater, and then we'll be home by the time we normally get home from work. Oi, because Star Wars. I'm just going to keep saying that because Star Wars, and because I'm bad, man. Oh, speaking <laughs> of other, um, okay, uh, if you're a comic book fan. Um, and I'm not trying to stretch this out just because dude on the phone said he liked it, but I just I was over at Jay's Comics uh, picking up my comic books uh, this weekend, and um, I hadn't been there in a while. Like I only show up like every couple of months, and then he's like, "Dude," and then the stack's like a foot high. I'm like, "I know, but whatever." Um, Batman White Knight. I just picked that up and started reading that. I know they're on like issue three. This is one of those sort of you know in the alternate reality Batman's. Where the mm-hmm. the Joker gets elected mayor, and like is basically like Batman's vigilante. We got to get him, and it's it. I just started reading it, and I haven't finished it yet. But I'm like, oh, the, the artwork's great, and the stories are really cool. Um, and they also came out with something called Doomsday Clock. Have you heard about this? Nope. Um, the Watchmen. You know the Doomsday Clock from Watchmen, um, but the like. They watch the Watchmen. I mean, they were one of the DC little offshoot single things. Mm-hmm. They're in the DC universe. I haven't even cracked this open yet because I'm waiting till all the kids go to bed. I'm going to grab a couple of the comics. I'm going to get myself a, a, a glass of uh, diet soda and uh, and sit and, and read these, you know, without any interruptions. But it's like Batman and them and Watchmen all in the same comic it's they're in the dc universe so they intermingle them i'm excited so um that's 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 what i'm gonna be reading and doing so um i think that's everything oh uh oh and the white dwarf came out did you pick up this month's white dwarf nope it comes with cards it's got like uh a bunch it's like a bunch of cards for warhammer quest and some cards for blood bowl and one card for Shadespire. Oh. Yeah. So, like, if you pick that up, they're like, this issue is huge. They've got several battle reports. They've got all sorts of stuff about Necromunda in here. Um, if you play Warhammer Quest, if you've played uh, Shadows over Hammer Hall, um, they give you some mercenaries you can get. You can get free guild mercenaries, which you can join your party. And then there's a, there's a fold-out... Uh, with um, 
for whoever is sort of running it for uh, you know the uh, another bit of adventure to lay out your tiles and play another adventure all in this month's White Dwarf. Dude, White Dwarf is just they're firing on, on all cylinders right now too. Mm-hmm. This, this is just everything you could want in it, you know. All these they got tons of battle they got a battle report from almost every system I think in here. This week, this I'll have to week. get one. No, no, it's really good. Like I'm impressed. And then huge section for the uh, showing the golden demons, and then just like with the interview with the painter, and then with the judges saying why they picked it and what's so good about it. So I'd be like, hmm. I, I mean, a lot of times you'll kind of you you used to kind of flip through it even before it was the White Dwarf ad weekly ad when it was the White Dwarf monthly. A lot of times you'd flip through it and just be like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. Dude, like every page. I am reading every page. And this magazine, you know, this month it's 164 pages. So, like, oh, it's taking me forever. But it's so good. <laughs> like, hmm. that's that. So, I think that's it for uh, both the news and the toolbox. We've gone for about 45 minutes with all this junk. So, we should take a break. We should come back. And we should dig in to the filth that is Battle Tome Pestilence. Mm-hmm. You want to do that then? Absolutely. All right, we'll be back. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your gamer may want, from board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program. Check out their events calendar, in-store or online. From Tuesday night miniature games and Thursday night board games to Friday night magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we're back. Here we are. Talking about pestilence. Mm-hmm. And why not? Because, you know, it's gross. And it's yeah, gurgling, but not really. It is. Which, that was kind of an interesting bit of the read. Yeah, and we're definitely going to cover that. I have that picked out as something we should be talking about. But a lot of people, some people had asked me, it's like, why are you guys covering pestilence? Well, it's the oldest book we haven't talked about yet. Yep. And it's really something that we really should be covering this. I think the only one we haven't covered yet is Iron Jaws now is the last one. Right. Because I think we did a Bloodbound review, right? Uh, I did the Corn Bloodbound with when that first came out with... Uh, no, the Blades of Corn book. No, I don't know if we did Blades of Corn. I don't mm. think we did. I'll have to go back and did. look. I don't anyway. remember. I'm... My memory fails me at times. I'm sorry. It's okay. So, in any event, so talking about 
pestilence. And in previous incarnations, like in the world that was, it was they were just a weird offshoot of Skaven. Now they have their own thing. And with the release of the GHB 2017, they got their own allegiance abilities and everything. So we thought this would be a good time to actually talk about them and really do this book justice. Because it seemed for a, a long time this was just kind of like swept under the rug, you know. And that's the other reason I wanted to cover it is because I didn't hear anybody cover it. Like nobody really covered this. Now, having sat down and finally read the book and gone through it, I know why. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, oof, yeah. So, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the book, but there's it, it's got some issues. Yeah, it's definitely thinner than a lot of the other books. So Yeah, so um, now, how did you want to start this? Because I didn't realize until I'm getting through this that I actually had to go back and grab my general's handbook to get the full the full thing. Yeah. So we should probably start with the fluff in the background because that's what we do. That's our thing. Yeah, we could do the lore, yeah, and then we'll just have to cut over to the General's Handbook for the rest. Uh, I just ran through the last uh, couple years of episodes, and there is not one title that says anything about Corn Bloodbound. So, no, we didn't do it. I thought we did. Uh, oh, no. So we still we have two more we've never covered. Two we've never covered. How can we no. be so careless? Well, you know what? Honestly, we've got so many things lined up. We'll get to it when we get to it. That yeah, we'll keep I that thought one in we our did pocket that one. for for when we need it. So okay. So any event, let's talk about rats. Yeah. So now, can we talk about why this book just wasn't popular first? Sure. I mean, can we just talk overall? I mean, in yeah. our general first impressions, because I read this, and there's some cool stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think this suffers from two things. One, there's not enough cool stuff in here. Um, the lore, they basically threw me one or two little bits that were really interesting, but the rest was just basic clan pestilence stuff. Um, I think you combine that with no new models, and I think there's only seven units in this army. Um. Oh, eight units, I think. Yeah, it's small. Yeah. But, but they don't have a lot of line troops like the Bone Splitters did. Right. Well, I mean, you've got because... the Vermin Lord. you got mm-hmm. the Furnace and the and the Catapult. Yeah. you got two types of Plague Priests, so that's five. got two War Machines and three characters. And then you got Monks. The Monks and, and the... The Sensor Bearers. Yeah. Oh, so, so it's, it's only... seven. So it's, yeah, yeah. seven. Um, and I think what this suffered from was this came out right around the same time as Flesh Eater Courts. Yeah, it was before that. It was before Fire Slayers. What? Well, oh, that's right. It was. They were like the second book out the the second or third book out the gate because it should have been Stormcast Seraphon. And I think these guys are number three. But didn't uh, right after that the Flesh Eater Courts come out? The Flesh Eaters were after Fire Slayers, I think. Okay, because. That came out, and it gave you a new take on their lore. And now they benefited from having dual model kits that they could mm-hmm. intermingle. So, like, honestly, Flesh Eater Courts didn't get any new models per se, but they got but it, new ways to mix your models and new War Scrolls. So yeah, that felt new. This, I mean, this came out, and everyone was like, oh, yeah, they're going to start doing these now. And everyone read it and said, well, there is 
well, so what? Um, and there is cool stuff in here, don't get me wrong, but I think of all the battle tomes, with the possible exception of the Seraphon, uh, in fact, I'd rate this below Seraphon because Seraphon uh, had new lore, which I thought was, I still think is really cool, even though they didn't have all the cool stuff that that the uh, that the other uh, books were getting, um, and it was still a little clunky. It was a weird sort of uh, early book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what this suffers from because there's a lot of good stuff in here. It's just none of it's really new. Yeah, and it was a very niche release too. Yeah. So So um that having said that, why don't we jump into uh jump into the lore? Yeah, into the good parts. Yeah, Plague Upon the Realms. Um the nice little intro here about them. Dude, you know, the funniest thing is is even though this had nothing new, you read the stories and the lore and like what these guys can do. And it still made mm-hmm. me want to, it still made me want to look, I go and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't have sold Harrison Skaven. Cause this is kind of cool. And he had a lot of these things mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of the, the vermin Lord. I'm like, ah, oh. you know, all, all of a sudden real rats start running through. And then all of a sudden there's this impenetrable green smog starts coming in. And as people are breathing it, they're choking and, getting sick and also you start hearing the bells and the little chittering and the claws scratching and um if that doesn't make you run before still while you're just hearing noises and in the fog and choking suddenly you get hit by somebody's big bucket of snot mm-hmm. you know because you just got plague clawed and as you start to melt from the plague claw and you're getting pus uh, pustulence and 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 growths growing and bursting and your your flesh is sloughing off your bones then the skaven attack i'm like oh that is awesome like that is mm-hmm. so gross and so cool yeah um they describe it as like a virulent procession it's very like very like faith militant type order to these guys but it's very much like parade style is what I see with these guys. They are out there crusading for their own causes. And it plays very much like that. You get the plague monks coming in, the censor bearers, and then the corruptors skittering around, moving between cutting things apart. So it's just a, they're a walking blight, I think, is what is probably the best term for them because they don't care about taking over lands they just care about destroying and corrupting everything yeah yeah and one of the interesting things here and here's okay and here if you haven't read this yet and don't know here's the new bit of fluff uh or of lore sorry i hate using that word um upon command of the horned rat himself the clan pestilence or the clan's pestilence which because it's not clan pestilence um there's lots of clans under the banner of pestilence so the clan's pestilence they seek the 13 great plagues. And I don't remember reading about this stuff before. No, this is all new. Yeah. Uh, and this is kind of cool. He's basically, there are 13, if, if they get all of these, they will have enough corrupt, diseased nonsense that they can take down pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's their plan, which is kind of cool. Um, you get to this next little section, Children of the Horned Rat. Uh and it sort of starts telling, okay, first of all, there are billions and billions of Skaven throughout the realms. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they are no different now than they were during the end times. When had the world not been destroyed, they could have pretty much overrun everything and taken over. But again, you have the infighting and everything. Oh, so. they wouldn't have held it because they, they would, or else if they would, have, they would have started killing each other. But yeah, yeah. If, if if there was not so much infighting in the group, they could totally take over a lot of these places because they're just an endless supply of them. All of them craving power, craving glory. Um, they're all like the worst possible guy to work with, and billions of them. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then they go through the legends because the world that was still exists. This isn't a new game. This is just moved into the future. Uh, legend tells the the horn rat got so powerful the gods of chaos had to admit him into their pantheon, and they look down on him. They still crap on him. And if you read the other books, any I mean, heck, during the end times, you know they were just using them as as a joke. Um, but yeah, very second rate, right? But he he doesn't care because he's a schemer. He has plans. And um, I love how you get in here and the legend of Skaven Blight survived the world that was and is still getting passed around. Mm-hmm. Did you read that in the box? This, you know, I did. It, yeah, I'm like, okay, that's still the legend of Skaven Blight. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so he's got plans. And so they can look down on him all he wants. The Great Horned Rat. Um, he's if, And if he can fulfill his plans, like, you know... Apparently, he thinks he can unseat the chaos gods, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about ambition, right? Yeah, that would be how he, he's always been that way. And with the Great Horned Rat, if you're not familiar with him, he's viewed me, me, like many different interpretations of the Great Horned Rat. So this is just the one aspect of him. And we we'll talk about it a little later about the different breakdowns between the clans, but he's always been that kind of sneaky, underhanded one that doesn't really care. He just wants power and he wants to take over. That's right. who he is and who he's always been. So they've kept that, which is really nice. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the five chaos gods of change, um, decay, uh excess and uh just straight up violence he's like the god of like greed and power basically that's that's what you know if you had to give him a, a, a you know, that categorized him i think ambition would be a little more accurate yeah pro- okay i'll give you that ambition but i think greed and power are right in there with it too i mean it's just mm-hmm. but yeah I'll, I'll give you yeah ambition if you had to boil it down to a word um, this weird rift between the realms picture is just so bizarre. The gnaw, the gnaw holes. Yeah, uh, just the weird. Everything sort of looks like a Skaven, except they're just odd. And then they show the different realms that they've managed to dig their way into, and and what they do in there. Yeah. So, for those that are not familiar with the concept of a gnaw hole, because I was not familiar with the concept of a gnaw hole. The essentially what they do is they dig these tunnels through the fabric of reality itself. So it's like a self-made realm gate. And that's something that the Skaven do. And it's linking wherever they are to a random spot in another plane, it seems. And they either do it by 
some sort of arcane apparatus, or for these guys, it's some sort of weird bacteria. So this lets them move around between the realms almost at will. Well, what's cool about this is, I mean, we all know they had underwarrens under every major city in the world that was. Mm-hmm. They they were tunnel diggers. In fact, half of their rules were that they could come up almost anywhere on the table during the game. They still have those rules, right? Yeah, for the clans Eshen and Scryer. Yeah. So here, once the Great Horned Rat uh, elevates and becomes one of the Pantheon of Chaos, now he's in a, the realm of Chaos. Um, They can literally, instead of just digging tunnels between cities and digging tunnels between all the different places in the old world... Well, how are they going to get between the realms? Like, what good is that going to do? Well, they can just dig right through reality. Well, okay. Good for mm-hmm. them. That's crazy. So they don't need realm gates. Um, no. But they do like to take them over and corrupt them because it's easier if they can use a realm gate. But, they, yeah, they'll just literally chew through reality. Mm-hmm. That's kind of awesome. In fact, what I got something here. Um, so after we find out that they can chew through reality, because and they need to get to all the realms because they're finding ingredients and the recipes and all these things for these 13 great plagues, which they don't have all of them yet. They've got about half. Yeah. Um, before we move on from the gnaw holes. Oh, okay. There's six of them that you get pictured here, six different mentions of what they're doing in the various realms. Ulgu is not on here. And that's, which one is Olgu? That's the Realm of Shadow. Right. I mean, Azir wouldn't be on here anyway. Well, yeah, you knew Azir wasn't going to be on here. Yeah, but Ulgu isn't. And now these guys, they can infect and decay seemingly anything they set their minds to. And in any environment, very much like a rat. But why not Shadow? Because even the overlords have, with their little profits and margins chart... They still have Ulgu on there, but these guys don't. Yeah, I noticed that too. I noticed there was only six realms. I knew they weren't in Azir, but I yeah. wasn't certain why they hadn't gotten into all the other ones either. Hopefully, yeah. that hopefully that's something that will come up. I'd like yeah. to see some info. Yeah, it's just something that I had noticed, and this was this is an older book. So we've gotten some information about what's going on in Ulgu, which is nothing. Um, but even that, even at this point, they still haven't really talked about it. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's I'm, I, I hope they've got something big planned for that because it seems weird to have this realm that we just don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. So, but it is it's 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 a cool concept. That they can do this, that they can sort of jump around and dig themselves around in all these places. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it allows them to keep what made one of their one of the coolest things about their lore was how they could dig through this, and now they're digging through through reality. So I, I do enjoy it. Um, now, after the novels, we get into a, a little bit more info about Clan Pestilence itself. Uh, now. They only care about plague, decay, and ruin, it says like that. Uh, one of the interesting things, um, it says, uh, they form the Horned Rats, multifarious churches of contagion, the uncounted billions who fanatically worship him in his aspect as the great corrupter. So there are billions of just clan pestilins. We're mm-hmm. not talking about the other clans. 
um, they feel that the great corrupter is like the great horned rat's true form. And I think if they get all the plagues or something like that, then he will he will shake off his other forms of himself and become purely the great corrupter, and that's when he will become his most powerful. This is yeah, that's when he'll ascend, as it were. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that they don't necessarily want to become tyrannical rulers over different realms. Um, they will ally people. They will enslave people for whatever reasons. They're, they, they, they're not trying to rule over other things. They you want to corrupt everything. Like you said, they're mm-hmm. a walking plague. If you're not uh, worshiping the great corrupter, if you're not infected by him and worshiping him, you're gone. I mean, this is sort of. I mean, they've got their their look. Their look is as as nihilistic as Nagash, really. You know, Nagash. I'll kill everything, and it'll just be me and all my undead servants that I control. They'll kill everything, and only thing left is just just the servants of the the corrupt the great horned rat, which I thought was. I was like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, they're very nihilistic. Very much so, and. The on page twelve they have a nice little column comparing and contrasting these guys with Nurgle. Yeah, because it so literally I, says they don't worship Nurgle, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, so I do want to read that little column because I think that'll really kind of is clarify. that the third column, the second and third yeah. paragraph? Yeah, I had that marked. Third too. Take it. So, in their love of all things rotten and corrupt, the Skaven of the clan's pestilence might be mistaken for worshippers of the plague god Nurgle. In truth, both gods bless the realms with their noxious plagues, and their devotees often ally together to achieve their own ends. The differences between the two deities are significant. Nurgle is a garrulous and incorrigible being, a chortling gardener of all things fetid and foul, who delights in the rampant overabundance of life and finds great satisfaction in the cycle of death and rebirth. By comparison, the horned rat cares only for entropy and the pestilent withering of all. As the great corrupter, he seeks the final corruption of everything, knowing this will bring about his own ascension as the most powerful powerful deity of them all. So they're kind of bros. And even going through the Plague Garden uh, review, they live in the garden. So they're welcome there. And if Nurgle really didn't like these guys, he would have gotten rid of them. Let's, Or at least made more of an effort to get rid of them. Right. You're not going to get rid of these things. But... They kind of coexist in a happy, I don't know, it's just like but mutual that is a difference where agreement. Nurgle yeah. wants to infect everything, but it's that life and rebirth where he doesn't want to just kill anything that's not like he wants to just keep this infection and these things going. Um, it almost sounds like the Great Corruptor wants to wipe out everything in the seven realms or in the eight realms and then mm-hmm. get enough of this, this more, this virulent plague to bring it into the realm of chaos like that ninth realm you know because that's chaos is the ninth realm i suppose mm-hmm. um I, I, it almost seems like his plan is i'll wipe out those other eight and then i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna infect you guys as well but, yeah again you know, it's just woof. for him it's all about taking over and proving and showing that he is the most powerful even if it costs the lives of every one of his followers and the lives of everyone else that they're fighting against. Yep. It's all about him. He doesn't care about anyone else. No. Now, 
the next section is the list of the great plagues, and these are all pretty cool. Um, yes, they're just gross. They all have their own little thing that they do. Um, do, do I mean I, they've got six, and there's two more that they know of, and they're looking for. Yeah, they have five listed here. They oh, five. Have, I'm sorry, five. You're right. Yeah. There's five that they describe in detail here. They have another two that they're still trying to figure out. And then there's rumors of an eighth floating around. So there's 13 of them. And I find it pretty ironic that they have seven of them. Yeah. Or they have have five solid and two that they were working on. So, yeah, 13 plagues and Nurgle's number is seven. That's a good catch. I didn't I didn't. I didn't notice that. I was just thinking, well, they're about halfway there. Yeah. So, I mean, they have that obviously too, but this again kind of ties the two together and that even carries over into in-game mechanics because they all have the Nurgle keyword. Everything in this book has the Nurgle keyword in addition to the Pestilence keyword. So it does kind of show that they jam and groove alongside the rest of the Nurgle boys, but they are still very different. Yeah. And then these plagues... Now, when we first got the GHB 2017, I hadn't read this book. And I think that's like most people who are going to be listening to this show. They yeah. hadn't read the Pestilence book. They, The five plagues that they list in detail are the five Echoes of the Great Plagues from the GHB Allegiance ability. Yes, they are. So you can actually – they don't give you like detail of what happens when you trigger one of these Great Plagues. But now you actually have like the proper description of what happens to all the different things when you trigger the plagues. So it adds a great thematic element to it, for me at least, thinking about what this actually means. No, it and it, it is. It's actually that's that's one of the things that because I, I checked with you. I'm like, do they? I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot. I I thought I was done working on this with the book. I'm like, oh, I got to go grab the GHB to get there their artifacts and their abilities and it's like wait that's that's all in there mm-hmm. so they they did not forget it they're working it into the story and of the game mechanics which is cool they're all just kind of gross i mean we don't have to go through all of these um but like i i particularly like the ravenous one the Liber ravenous mm-hmm. the red maw plague yep uh, sped through ingestion or by bite, it drives its victims into an insane cannibalistic rage. They rip and tear with hands and teeth, devouring friend and foe alike with fanatic f- or with frantic fervor. The hunger can never be sated, however. The victim's guts churning with ever more potent acids, which eat through the unfortunate's flesh, dissolving it into meat slop within hours of infection. So you get infected, you get super hungry, and you just start eating anything, including anyone around you. Uh, eventually... Your stomach acid churns so badly that you dissolve from the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's the one that's not too gross to talk about on the air. Yeah, they have another one, which is the weird one. It's called the Never Plague from the Lieber Conundrus, yes. also known as the Lieber Conundrum. <laughs> and they can't figure out what it's supposed to do. They have brewed the concoction once every century, following the Lieber Conundrus. And at the precise moment that the brewing is complete, a single spectral peal rings out as a mighty bell is tolled somewhere in the ether. No further effects have ever been observed. 
but this only makes the Inquisitor Skaven more desperate than ever to discover the meaning of this eerie mystery. So, they have something, but they don't know what it does. But it does something. And it does something. It doesn't seem to make sense. They finish brewing it, and then that's gone, and there's a bell. Rings. Bing! Does that mean an angel got his wings? Uh, I don't know, but I don't, I'll tell you what. I don't know how many times they've they've done this. Like you said, they do it once a century. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hate to see what happens on the 13th time they brew it. Yeah. I mean, this is just... That's a weird one. That's actually kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But then you've also got, what else? The uh, Crimson Wheel Curse, the Undulant Scourge, and the Bubonic Blight, pe- Blight Plague. Um, all of them wind up with people basically uh, being gross. Yeah, I mean, some pretty graphic descriptions the here. The Crimson Wheel Curse starts you start bleeding out of your nose, and then all of a sudden that trickle runs into really running, and then it, just, it turns into a spray. You die mm-hmm. basically fire hose spraying your own blood out of your body. It's just like, oh, what? And then anyone that touches, eh, you're infected next. Mm-hmm. So gross. There's so much gross in the Great Plagues. Um, shall we do the space timeline? Yeah, absolutely. So this one, it's a small one. It's only two pages, but it does give kind of the little hit on high points of what they do. So there were there's... two here that I really that stood out to me that I liked. So. Do yours, and okay. we'll see if we got the same things. Uh, no, you go first. Uh, under stormlit skies. That was one of mine. As the Realmgate Wars brought mayhem far and wide, the great plague prophet Spurik proclaimed the time of the second great withering to be nigh. His chitterings reached the ears of Nurgle himself, who was so amused that he sent a legion of his own separating demons to march at his side. Because as he's just out there screaming, I, just, I love Nurgle. Nurgle's just like, eh, that's pretty good. You could have some guys go with you. Like, and he's got to know that the that the horn rat is treacherous and the corrupter version of him wishes to supplant him. Doesn't even care. Not even worried. Just like, I'm doing this. That's good. Good job. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you pick one now. Uh, the horror below. That's a good one. Yeah. Led by a rune father of the Volterungs, a throng of fire slayers set out to reclaim the Urgle idols of Lost Kadam, I think. Yeah. Kadam. Um, upon entering those darkened halls, the Dwarden found them seething with plague monks of Clan Fessic. The fire slayers carved a path into the depths, casualties mounting with each savage clash. In the sporlet Hall of Voices, the last survivors were pounded by countless plague claws. Though defiant to the last, the fire slayers were slaughtered. <sighs> yeah, it's killing dwarves. I had to do it. Uh, you're such a jerk, dwarf. I think that's Clan Fisic, like feces. Oh, because it's double E's. So I think yeah, Fisic, dude. All of their stuff has to do with filth and gross. So yeah, I, know, I thought it was I was feces. going with sick, not feces. Oh, well, it's both feces and make you sick. Don't touch them. That's nasty. Um, I did pick a pestilent boon, the last one. Word spread mm-hmm. that the location of the eighth Liber pestilent had been discovered. Vermin Lord Corruptors appeared in great number among the most prominent clans, pestilents, urging them into a violent stampede to claim the prize. So, 
that's where we're at. They've got five that they know. Well, they got five that they know how to do, and they have the ingredients for. Although they don't know what the fifth one does. Mm-hmm. Um, they got two that they are still kind of putting together. They're aware of them. They obviously haven't gotten all the ingredients and stuff together for it yet, though. And now they've they've got a lead on just information on the eighth. So that's uh, that's that for the bits of. Uh, the first bits of background. That's like our first section, giving you like a history. Mm-hmm. Um, should we? Do you want to just jump along here? I mean, we don't have to take a break. We can keep doing some more of the story because now sure. we get the breakdown of how they go. The churches of contagion. We've got mm-hmm. clans septic and morbidus number in the billions again. Um, now clans are often split because of heresy. You know, some guy. Well, they've got the their the, what is their book the um, the withered word. Okay, mm-hmm. the withered word is supposed to be the word of the great horned rat the, or the great corrupter. Um, and a lot of but you get a lot of these uh, plague monks who get into these trances with all the you know with the warp stone um, you know gases and things like that, and so they're writing out the words of this. Some of them are very contradictory. So mm-hmm. one of the ways that um, you can get rid of people who rival you as a Skaven is to find out if they it, interpret the withered word differently than you do or than your clan does. You can get them kicked out. Or if you're trying to start your own clan, uh, finding your own interpretation and getting people to follow you works. Uh, one of the weird things, though, is that for some reason they have to split in threes. So three new clans, if there's a split, there has to be three splitters. You have to get three new clans formed. You can't just have one guy leave on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one clan is ousted, two more are getting ousted. What I like in here is how they talk about how some of the more uh, – um, this this is where one clan gets ousted or decides to split, and then the more powerful plague priests will look quickly and find out if they can make any uh, – Accusations against their rivals because two more got to go. Mm-hmm. I mean that's the rule, and they don't even know why, but they're afraid to ask for clarification because it's the word of the great horned rat, and you don't question him. So yeah. it's like one goes, so two more got to go. So it's like, oh, you know what, uh, Phil's group over there, he's they're, they're they're heretics. Let's get rid of them. And you know, Phil's group's like, what? And now, boom, let one less rival because I've managed to. Uh, I've managed to work another group out because you got to have three go. It's 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 scaven politics at its best. Yeah, and it's also working like how a disease spreads too, because they multiply, the cells split apart and divide, and for whatever reason, it has to be three with these guys. And the Nurgle symbol is three rings next to each other. Yes, so, I don't know, but who knows. And so uh, they also show there's some stuff in here with the uh, the 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 rune of the great horned rat, which we all know is like the the overextended triangle. Yeah, the overextended upside down triangle, the three uh, ribs, as it were. Uh, and then they show the rune of the great corruptor, which looks very similar to the chaos star. It's eight points. Yeah, but yep. extended out different. Yeah, the X is a lot. The X portion is a lot thicker than the plus sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. then. Clans Fesic, Morbidus, and Septic all have their own little versions of the symbol. Yeah, there's. They claim their eldest. Uh, they're the oldest of the clans, 
and they claim that they're descendants from survivors of the world that was that the horned rat saved i who knows but yeah i kind of like that as, as the world was ending the great horned rat grabbed his most faithful and pulled them through and saved them from mm-hmm. destruction on the old world so it's kind of neat watching how things break down yeah um but even if you look at their breakdown vermin lord corruptor Okay, and then you've got a plague smog congregation and a foul rain congregation, and they look like the same congregation. There's a plague furnace with monks and another plague furnace with monks, unless there's yeah. a typo and one of them should have been. Uh, uh, no, they're two separate formations. Oh, because the plague smog and the foul rain are those uh, the guys staying back and shooting with the uh, catapults. The foul rain is the plague smog is a furnace and a bunch of the sensor bearers. Oh, okay, but this kind of shows how the breakdown is for the basic monks and then everyone else files into one of those two other categories okay okay um it does list some of the armies of pestilence there's a cool thing here some of this artwork almost looks like the the heraldry of the skaven book that i still have up on my shelf there yeah it's kind of similar and then it's very similar to what we saw right at the end times too with those end times books of all the different units that were in all the various uh, armies of the end times and it's and, that same artwork too yeah it's that same style i do like the artwork in this section i mm-hmm. do it's it's not as detailed but it looks very very cool you can see this like artist sketch work and stuff like that you know um not as not as uh vague sketchy as uh john blanche stuff right um, more detailed but still really cool uh, and then they, they, I mean, if you could read through this, the virulent procession of the foul scourging or the church of the green bile, you know, those are the ones that they list and they give you a little information on them. Not too much, but just, you know, about the colors and about, you know, what, what their favorite means of attack are and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do the colors of contagion and this stuff, this looks almost right out of the heraldry of the Skaven book. The colors yeah. of heraldry, because it just shows the different monks and the different colors they wear. And then the banners. Yeah. And it's different because before, when you thought of Clan's Pestilence, it was always either brown or greens or drabs or anything. But now you can actually do a different clan and paint it a different color besides green. Like, Clan Septic is purple. Yeah. The deep bruises and, and swellings, that's what they represent, the bruises and swellings of disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got stuff that's just like a like they they wear like white almost just to watch the filth kind of get all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a little the the yellows are are pretty you know you got that diseased yellow going in there. Um, yeah, yeah, but you can now do any color you want and just come up with a name and a reason. I'm surprised there's not more deep red in here with all the blood. I don't think they wanted it to be too close to the corn stuff, um, but also like the master clan. And the clan's verminous is very red, so I think they would find us separate from that. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's it. That's the lore. Uh, the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about uh, when we come back is basically the the I get well the lore behind the different units. So the unit descriptions mm-hmm. before we get into their their scrolls and stuff like that. Um, but that's it. And honestly, that's that's not a lot. I can see why people were disappointed. With this book, because there's cool stuff in here, but there's it's just not enough of it. Yeah, there's not enough new stuff. I mean, okay, cool, they found some plagues, but how does that change anything 
in the game. And it didn't. It really didn't because it didn't even bring those plagues in, like you mentioned, until the last, until the GHP 17. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, that's two years later before we get this. So I don't know. Like I said, I think it's cool. And as I'm reading it and looking at the stuff they can do, I'm like, this is kind of cool. This would be fun to play. Without yeah. without all the without without playing dig dug and popping up out of the ground with your mortal wounds, um, mm-hmm. the storm fiends and stuff. Yeah, yeah, these guys are no slouches either. But we'll get to that. No, they're not. In fact, there's there's a lot of cool synergies there that we'll get to. That I heck, you know, and they must be pretty obvious if I'm picking up on them. But I'm certain there's something I missed that you'll you'll fill me in on. Much like the fire slayers, there's not a ton of variety, but there's some cool stuff you could do with it. Mm-hmm. So let's take a break and come back. And when we do, we will then talk. Um, we'll talk both Vermin Lord Corruptors and Plague Priest, basically. Yeah. All right, cool. Back in a moment. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking Vermin Lord Corruptors and the rest of the disciples of the Great Corruptor, I guess is the best way to put it. Cool. So, Vermin Lord Corruptors. Now, we didn't get specifications on Vermin Lords until the end times when we got that first kit with a bunch of different incarnations of them that really didn't fit. Um, It was kind of like, that's great, we got a whole bunch of different Vermin Lords, but why? So now right, well, I mean, given, I mean, I guess you could pick the one you thought was coolest, but really, yeah. I mean, honestly, the game wise, it was like, well, so what? What's the you know? I'll just pick the one I think looks neat, or the one that if I can try to build something around his abilities. But they were not. There wasn't enough differentiation, really. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of development into these type right. of characters, and now they're. At least with the corruptor, they're giving him the proper treatment, like he's a great or a greater demon. And they're kind of tough. Like they seem kind of yeah. kind of awesome. Um, okay, first of all, they're gross. Like mm-hmm. their smell makes even Stormcast heroes gag. 
Yeah. Like, even if you think you can handle it, they're nasty. They got uh, lice and bugs running through their fur. Uh, their touch blackens flesh and rots armor. Um, they constantly backstab each other. You know, That's they, very, very scathing. Right. But they will team up with other vermin lords. Uh, I, mean, they, I mean, they will team up with other... Vermin Lord corruptors, like the the Vermin Lord corruptors, will put their differences aside if it's time. If there is a different version of the Vermin Lord that's messing with what they're doing, mm-hmm. so like the corruptors will stick together. You know, they'll fight amongst themselves. They'll backstab, but I don't even remember what the other Vermin Lord types were. To be honest with you, there's the Vermin Lord Warp Seer, oh, which okay. is the really manipulative one. He's the one with the orb. Right, uh, and then you've got the Deceiver, which is the ninja. Okay, with the big throwing star and the stiletto, and then there's the Vermin Lord Warbringer, which is the big armored one. Right. Okay. And then, then there's yeah, Screech Vermin King. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, the fifth one, which is a special character. So, uh, Screech Vermin King aside, those other three. Should those other three start to mess with the Vermin Lord Corruptors, the Vermin Lord Corruptors will close ranks and stand against them. Why? Because they are the chosen ones. The rest are pretenders, especially Vermin Lord Warp Seers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really don't like the Warp Seers. Uh, in fact, here, let me just read this little part here. Uh, it's the nature of the Vermin Lord Corruptors to despise all that is pure and verdant. It is for this reason that the demons have led many of the clan's pestilence into the centuries-long savagery of the War of Life. Rumor speaks of a pestilent stronghold somewhere in Gairan, within which a whole conclave of vermin lord corruptors gnaws away at a diabolical plan, something so foul it's hidden even from the clans themselves. Those are the, those are the bits that make, this, make these books so good when you read them. I, I wish there was a few more in here, but it's like that mm-hmm. little hint. It's like you're doing wait, you're doing what? Yeah. Oh, what? When is that story going to come? Like, I want to hear about that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, they uh, they got a super plan. <laughs> yeah, and in the Black Library book, Legends of the Age of Sigmar, the Pestilence book, right? One of the main characters is a vermin lord corruptor, and you can really get a good feel for what these guys are about. So if you're interested in Corruptors, I would strongly check out the Pestilence book. And it's a good read to begin with. Mm-hmm. I, I did not get time. to. It was one of the books I did not finish going through. I will admit I haven't read them all because I just don't have time. I just don't. Yeah. That one is set in the realm of beasts. And it's about a colony of Clans Pestilence that live on the back of a gigantic worm. Okay. As weird as it sounds. Um and it actually, once you get into it, it makes a lot more sense. It's like a godworm, like dune size oh, worm. Oh, cool! And it's Stormcast and Seraphon teaming up against them. So crazy! Yeah. All right. So what's so, next? Plague priests. They're fanatics. Yeah. How fanatical are they? They're so fanatical. Okay. So they're so <laughs> fanatical. They lead from the front. Yeah, they're. Silly, silly rats. Because the honored place of like respect and leadership for Skaven is in the back. Right, where you're in less danger. You're so important. So you put the other guys in front of you. Now, these guys, they want to get in there 
hacking, swinging, biting, clawing, while extolling their followers to greater heights of grossness. They are either so, stone crazy or they want the great horned rats. Uh, they want his favor, and how else to favor him but then to prove how much you're willing to uh, to do for him? It's, it's actually just like any other knight trying to vie for favor of his of his lord by being up there in the in the thick of it and getting recognized. Um, but for Skaven, it's that's crazy talk. Yeah, it's very counterintuitive for a Skaven, but they're they're the guys that lead from the front. They have hundreds of followers, even thousands that they drive into battle. And like every other good Skaven, they are constantly vying for dominance. And it's either through like bribery, coercion, or just plain old backstabbing. And one, there's one bit on here that I think should just be mentioned because it's funny. One common tactic employed by the priests of Pestilence is inventing new and ever more important sounding titles for themselves. These names are tied to the priest duties within their church and are often ridiculously overblown. Names such as the Most Blessed Master of the Chittering Chant or the Arch Squealer of the Followers of the Furnace impress dull minds. So we, we know rats are not particularly smart. They never really have been and they're always easily manipulated. So to have these big important names really like impresses, hey, I'm this cool, you should follow me. Yep, it's, it's kind of funny. But, but, but wait, but my names just got longer, you know, and then now even the smallest clans have many plague priests. Larger clans might have thousands of plague priests in the clan um, because it's not like it's not just one priest leading a group. There's never just one priest. Even the smallest clans have many of them, uh, probably because they die off so easily and pro- other because there's always someone trying to take their place. Mm-hmm. Um, they are masters of brewing plagues. Uh, and the better they are, the greater respect they earn. So, you know, they can, uh, because the better a plague you can brew, the more lethal the concoction that you're piling into the catapult. Yep. So that's how these guys uh, gain their respect and their honor. Uh, shall we go to the monks? Sure. Um, okay, so hordes of them. I mean, these guys, This this is the horde army. More so than your undead, more so than anything else. I mean, when you talk about the the scale of these, you know, and on, on the tabletop you may not see it, but when you're talking that clans have billions of followers and the rats just come pouring out of everywhere, this is like the ultimate horde army. They flood across the battlefield. Um, these plague monks are so infected that basically, um, the a superficial wound can infect you and kill you. Like if you get wounded at all, uh, you can you can wind up just dying from the infections, which I think is interesting. Uh, and th- this comes up in the in the even in the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get bonuses for hitting, but they do get bonuses if they roll a really good wound roll, because it's not about how well they hit you. You know, all I got to do is hit you with whatever. But then once I hit you, that wound might just go septic. Mm-hmm. Um. The bringers of the word are the 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 their plague priest aspirants. They're the champions, but these yep. are the guys who want to become plague priests, and they are the worst. They read from their books and scrolls, rotting the enemy just wherever they're standing. Um, 
<laughs> they're tough, daring, and diseased, and yet they're still skaven. And they will run the minute they think the tide's turning against them. Yeah, still very, very skaven. And these guys, like, the how crazy they are doesn't make them just good fighters, but they're also very resilient um, because most of them don't feel anything because yeah. their nerve endings are so rotted away. So they can shrug off pain at least until they realize the severity of their wounds and their overdeveloped instinct of self-preservation kicks in. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's what's scary. They're they're like orcs. You got to you 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 can hack off parts of them and they keep coming. And you know, mm-hmm. uh, unlike orcs, once they realize you've hacked off parts of them, as you point out, they'll run. But <laughs> whereas orcs just get angrier. Um. But yeah, they're just this stuff's crazy. And the plague sensor bearers. Um, these guys, uh, some uh, only the most deluded or unfortunate become plague sensor bearers. Um, they take the most, they find some gross, rotted, diseased stuff that they mix. They put it in the sensor and they light it. And the fog is lethal for everyone. And that includes the bearer. Mm-hmm. Okay, eventually it's going to kill him too. Um but some of these guys get diluted and the the disease gets to their brain and they don't care. They know that what they have here is probably one of the most lethal weapons that they ca- they can carry on their person and they're going to bring it out there. They might mm-hmm. be dying, but they do it. Um yeah, it's almost like a holy duty for some of them. Yeah. to be the actual carrier. And these guys remind me a lot of like fanatics yes. from Moon Clan. Yes. Uh, you know what I like about? Did you read that part with with the plague priests like like to do with this? Which part? Uh, they get their rivals. Oh yes, and then they just knock them out. Like they'll knock out their rivals, and then you'll wake up uh, with the handle for this sensor basically bolted to your wrist. Mm-hmm. So you're chained to this thing, so you can't get away from it. And as the rest of them get up and start going, even if you're not crazy enough to want to, they're going to sweep you up and drag you with them. You've got the sensor in your hand. You've got to go. Yeah. And it's kind of weird given a choice because also you like captives and slaves from other clans. And they're given the choice between either using the sensor and doing it for a holy purpose or you are a test subject or an ingredient. So. Yeah. So, and the fumes will eventually bring hallucinations and uh, and the and fever to the bearers, and the, their their fervor for fighting just gets in, in, increasingly high as they get increasingly high on the fumes, um, mm-hmm. and, and until until eventually, I mean, it will kill them. That's the thing. If if they survive the battle, um, you know, they might still live because they can get away from the that they could put the sensor down and get away from the fumes. But if they're out there too long, the sensors will kill them as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that's literally what have we got left? We've just got the 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 plague furnace and the plague claw catapult. Yep. So did you want to take one of these? Yeah, sure. We can start with uh, the plague furnace. So these guys are essentially like moving pulpits for the plague priests where they can extol their followers, unleash more plagues. And the big thing on here is obviously the great censor. And for this, it's concoctions of unbelievable foulness are heaped, 
poured and ground into this massive sphere before before being doused with rancid warpstone and set aflame. The resultant smoke clouds billow outward in toxic waves, while the ball itself can be swung into the enemy ranks to crush and destroy. So this serves twofold. It's almost like a war altar or something like that for them, mm-hmm. but also it's essentially just a big battering ram too. Right, which just spreads poison out all around it while it's burning mm-hmm. and swinging and moving. Um, it's 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 very cool. Um, I actually built and painted one of these when they first came out because that's this is just about one of the coolest models the Skaven have. It's very pokey though. Oh yeah, not as pokey as the Hellfort, but it's pokey. Yeah. Um. What else? You got the Plague Claw Catapult. Holy Instruments mm-hmm. of the Horned Rat, uh, the device by which he bestows pestilence upon the unworthy. Um, they put the most horrific bruise. Even sometimes they'll throw in little splashes of great plagues in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't even need to be accurate. It just needs to be close because the disease will run through uh, everything. Uh, it says here, um, it's seen as a great blessing to crew a plague claw. Many believe that those who do so become saturated with filth, so saturated with filth, that upon their inevitable deaths, they become one with the great corruptor himself. There's always more fanatics willing to shed their robes and expose themselves to the full virulence of the plague clause, false martyrs, martyrs gambling on a shortcut to eternal power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the plague claw catapult, basically, it's just we're going to get our worst diseases, put them in there, and then throw them at you. Yep. And it, like I said, don't... Accuracy. I mean, it's 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 basically throwing bowls of soup. There's no way to make that actually accurate and hit exactly what you want. It's just you got to get close as you can, and just hope the disease spreads fast enough. Yes, very ooky. Yes, very much so. Um, and that's everything uh, as far as their background goes. Uh, did you want to just? Uh, before we get into all the stuff, did you want a quick cover? They had there's two uh, battle plans in here, and I think we can cover them really quick. Yeah, there's three of them. Are there three? Wait, oh yeah, I got notes written down for three. Sorry, I, yeah. I didn't see my next page. Yeah, I kind of moved quickly through these, but my favorite one of them was on tainted ground, uh-huh. which is the first one, and essentially what you're trying to do is corrupt the land and the terrain features that are on the table while the other guy is trying to stop you. Right. So, and for the map, it's kind of like how we had the giants run in the Rome gate wars where you're going lengthwise across the table, trying to either get out of it or right. Trip all the monsters. These guys have to run in between all the different terrain features on the table to corrupt them. Well, they only have to corrupt uh, like you divide the the board is divided into the 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 six one foot strips, mm-hmm. and they start off with one foot already corrupted. You've got the s- three feet on the other end as yours. They only have to corrupt one piece of terrain to corrupt that whole section, mm-hmm. which is and it's actually pretty easy. So you got to move in there and, and catch them quick and stop them, um. Because they get bonuses and you take penalties if you're in the corrupted land, which is really cool. Like, your guys start taking mortal wounds just being in the corrupted land, and they get bonuses to their bravery when it's corrupted. So then it becomes a strategy of, do I want to rush forward and corrupt things fast? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to just try to slowly take out the enemy and then grab a couple pieces as I move forward? Yeah, and only heroes 
can do the corruption. So there is a way to cut the head off at the top, as it were. Right. Uh, you know, we we did skip a little something really quick, and I just wanted to talk about this uh, really fast. Um, and I don't know how I missed it. But uh, it's something in here about the blood times. And it talks hmm. about this a little bit uh, in the Age of Chaos. Uh, this is when they're spreading contagion before we got to the the ruins of Mosclean. We skipped this just this part. Um, during the Age of Chaos, okay, once Sigmar locked his gates, this was a bad time for the Skaven. Okay? Corn followers just killed them. Like, if they tried to team up with them, Corn's guys would either just kill them outright or just shove them up in the front lines as fodder. Okay? Nurgle followers sometimes would help him and team up with them because, as we know, Nurgle kind of likes them. But then Zinch would get mad <laughs> and plot against them because he saw them as Nurgle's allies and he doesn't like Nurgle, so he would plot against and bring them down. So basically working with any of the other three gods because Slaanesh is missing, um, that they, they just were getting killed by the scores. They had to stop looking for the plagues at this point. That's how bad it got for them. They had to stop looking for the plagues. Now the age of Sigmar is a time of growth um, because with all the war that Sigmar is bringing, uh, this spreads despair, this spreads sickness, and now vermin lord corruptors start appearing in great numbers. And this is when they tell them to take all the realm gates. If you can't take the realm gate, corrupt it so that everyone who goes through it is infected. Mm-hmm. And that's like their plan. That's kind of important because it's like they don't need the realm gates, but it's easier, so take them. But if you can't take it, just corrupt it so bad that people who run through it run the risk of being contaminated by us anyway. So we did skip through that. Um, it was kind of funny as I was reading back to the battle plans. This first one, the ruin of Mosgleam. Um, first of all, okay, so you're in the realm of life. You're teamed up with this Nurgle Lord who's being a jerk to you. Uh, he's attacking from one side. You're attacking from the other. Going to get him in a pincer move. Uh, the, the leader of the Skaven is like, you know what? I'm sick of him bossing me around. Let's just not go. So the Nurgle guy shows up against the Sylvaneth and the Stormcast and has no support. So he gets wiped out, which is I just that's such a Skaven thing to do. They're there. Mm-hmm. They just don't ever go out onto the field until he's completely wiped out. By that time, he's softened up the enemies enough that they come rolling in, and they wipe everything out. That's another thing is I'm just so used to stories of Skaven killing a lot of stuff and then never quite reaching their goals, you know? Right. Oh, excuse me. Um, but here, it's like, oh, yeah, they just they killed everything. They melted everything. Um, you know, they're attacking, and all of a sudden they start throwing in the plague, craw- plague claws. Um, the armor starts to melt mm-hmm. on Stormcast, and then they start to get corrupted, and boom, flash up there in, in a big bolt of lightning. Um, it's it's crazy how well they decimate these guys on this in this. And that's so the battle plan seemed cool. And then the next one, even crazier. They're looking for this thing called the Serpent Stone, this rare plague ingredient. And did you read this part? Did you want to take this? Because this is... No, you're good. Okay. Um, they're in there with Vermin Lord Sepskrik, and they're looking for the Serpent Stone, which is this ingredient they need. Um, there's a, there's a slan watching them, right? 
And he sees him. He's like, they cannot have this stone. And so he calls forth an army. So the Skaven are running through this decimated town looking for this serpent stone. And all of a sudden, lights start like you know, start flashing in the sky and, and, and dropping down to, to them. And as they're watching, they, boom, they turn into an army of Seraphon. Um, and the Seraphon start just decimating the Skaven. Uh, Sepskrik is just, I, I'm not giving up. He summons a plague of his, uh, uh, he puts a plague on his own army. He just throws the plague at his own army, and they become so so diseased that anything they touch gets diseased. So while they're fighting, they're just, even if they're get, dying, the things that they're touching aren't going to make it either. Um, and then even the Slan feels this infection. And this is what, he's winning until that infection hits him. And then he has to divert some of his magics to stopping the infection. Mm-hmm. So then his actual magic gets weaker. So he actually sees what's going on, and he tries to banish the vermin lord, uh, basically summon a, a portal, and zoop, wipe him off into another dimension, get him out of here. And he can't do it because he can't summon up that much magic because he's stopping this contagion. Um and then Sepskrik belches a sizzling cloud of corrosive fog. And it put, it says how the slant croaks in agony its first vocalization in millennia. Uh, before he can kill it, though, it he disappears. This, the the slant knows he's lost. And he teleports out of there to, to focus on healing his wounds and, and cl- cleansing this disease. And they get the stone. And I'm like, wait, they keep what? <laughs> like, they just keep winning. Yeah, and it even says here that there's. it doesn't seem like there's a lot of survivors for his clan. The mounds of fallen plague monks that surround Sepskrik were already dismissed from his mind. He had only eyes only for his wondrous bounty. The cruel air satisfaction, the vermin lord corrupted turned and strode through the filth-splattered corpses towards the realm gate, his prize in hand. So again, I don't care about the rest of you. This is what I'm here for. I have it. I'm leaving. Exactly. Uh, and the it, this is a search your uh, search the uh, terrain pieces mm-hmm. to find the objective. Um, basically, they come up and they hit a terrain piece and roll a d six, and if the total is seven or more, they have found the thing they're looking for. Um, obviously, you can't get it on the first one you look for because it's impossible. But then you add one to every. For everyone you've searched, you add one. Once you've searched it, if you can't find it there, it's not there. So mm-hmm. if, you, if it takes you all the way till the sixth one, then you're adding five because you've searched five. It is technically possible to roll a one on that last one and just not find it. Mm-hmm. But the the odds of that are slim. Yeah. Is that it? That is that the last? Uh... Yeah, I thought there were three. I guess no, there was only two. two. Okay, yeah. So, you know what, let's take a break again, and when we come back, we'll go through some of the war scrolls and the abilities and all the cool stuff they can do. Yeah. Okay, back in a second.
check out that guy in the garage hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in garage gear. And we are back talking Skaven Clan's Pestilence on the tabletop. Yes, yes. Now, before we get into that book, we got to grab the GHB 2017 and look up their... their Allegiance abilities. Yep. Now, when this book came out, it was pre-Sylvaneth, so they didn't have any of the cool new toys, but they made up for it. And boy, how, in the General's Handbook 2017. And we talked about it a little bit in our... GHB 2017 review, uh-huh. but we I should probably go through and hit these a little harder, a little more specific, um, because this is an army I don't think you're going to see right away, because it's going to take a long time to paint all of these things, but I think this is one that once it gets going, people are going to have to take notice of it, and it's actually a pretty good little army, and if you don't think it is, you can play Domus, and he will promptly teach you what it means to be rained upon. So, because yeah. the command traits, eh, mediocre, but the bat- there's two battle traits, and they're pretty good. The yep. first one, dude, strength in numbers. Now, they always had strength in numbers, but they got extra bravery for how many of them there were. But now everybody gets that. So what do they get? They get two bravery for every ten models instead of one. Rather than one, yeah. So, so now, a unit of 40 guys... is plus eight bravery. Yeah. It's just, that's kind of great. Yeah, it kind of makes up for it substantially because the Plague Monks are only a whomping bravery five. So That's only they tend one to... less than, uh, than the Stormcast. Yeah, but these I mean... guys die a lot quicker. Yes, they do. That's true. So these guys make up for it very quickly with oh, their bravery. Okay. Oh, so a unit of 40 would be bravery 13? Ah, there it is. Mm-hmm. See what I, I like did what there? Did I did. I did. So... That's the first one, and the Scryer ones have this too, but it's not as prevalent as you'll see it with Pestilence. But the big signature here is the Echoes of the Great Plagues, which is all to do with their priests. Now, with the exception of the Vermin Lord, at least for the moment, the priests on foot and the priests on the furnace can all cast prayers. And with these guys, whenever they get a successful prey, and the natural result is a six, before any sort of a modifier it'll manifest an echo of a great plague. So you have five to pick from, and you pick whichever one that you want, but you can only manifest each one once per game, and you cannot manifest any more than one per given turn. So there is a bit of a resource management here. Yeah, so even if you roll one every turn, there's five, you can do one every turn. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah... So once per battle and no more than once per turn. Um, Want to go through these? Because 
I mean, yeah, it's hard sure. to get. You got to roll that six on your prayers. You probably won't roll a six for your prayer every single turn. Yeah, but, but if you're going you do, mono pestilence, you actually get a lot of prayers in here. Yeah. But we'll talk about that here in a minute. So the first one is the Red Mob Plague, which is you pick the nearest enemy unit within or nearest enemy hero within 13 inches of the priest. If that hero is within three inches of any friendly models in any combat phase and not within three inches of any enemy models, then it will tack its friends. And you get to treat that hero as a model from your army for the rest of that combat phase. So this is one of the good reasons why you can pick them, though, because this is super situational. You've got to get him. He's got to be the closest enemy within 13 inches. Nearest enemy hero. Enemy hero who isn't anywhere near your guys. And he has to be close to his buddies. Yep. But if you get this off and you get to trigger like a bloodthirster or somebody substantial to do some serious hurt on their buddies, that's a big deal. So, and then it's only 13 inches. So again, this is that leading from the front mentality with the plague priests because they have to be close to use almost all of these. Almost all of them have a 13 inch reach. So you have to be close. So that plays thematically to how they are described, which is cool. Um, So the next one is the never plague, which is you get to add one to the prayer rolls for friendly pestilence priests for the rest of the battle. Now this doesn't trigger more echoes on fives. It has to be a natural six to trigger, but all of your prayers go off on a three normally, so this means you're now going off on twos. And with your prayers, on a one, you take a mortal wound. Well, ones now become twos. So you don't take any more damage for screwing up the prayers. Right. So this one is a good one to try to get right away. So there is a reason to roll for your prayers early on to take the risk. Um, the next one is the bubonic blight plague. So you pick the nearest enemy unit within 13 inches. They take D6 mortal wounds, which is pretty hefty to begin with. And if that unit is destroyed by those wounds, you get to pick another enemy unit within six inches of the last model pulled from the infected unit. And that new unit suffers D3 mortal wounds and so forth and so on. Until either it fails to kill a unit or there's no more units within range when a unit is wiped out. So it just continues to spread and spread and spread. The next one is the Undulant Scourge. So you pick the nearest enemy model within 13 inches. That model suffers a mortal wound. In addition, plus one extra mortal wound for each other model from the unit that is within three inches of the infected model. Now, this one, if you're in combat and all your stuff is bunched together and you hit this off, you can take out a substantial chunk of your enemy's unit right? very, very quickly. So that puts a hole in things really quick. <laughs> and then the, the last one is the Crimson Wheel Curse. So you pick the nearest enemy unit within 13 inches. They take a mortal wound. And in addition, the infected unit and each enemy unit within one inch of the infected unit suffers one mortal wound in each of your future hero phases. This one's kind of the weakest of the one, but it still does more damage over time. Yeah. This is one, yeah. if you got it on, like, turn one, 
it might work. Yeah, and do some real damage, but no, these are all really nifty and really good extra bits of mortal wound output. Yep. Uh, and then we get the artifacts. You know, um, most of this is pretty basic. Yeah, there is a big one in here, which is the Liber Bubonicus. Right. Which is you give the model that has it can use the Pestilent Prayers from the Plague Priest War Scroll. And if it's already a priest, then you can use the Prayers ability twice instead of once. But this turns your Vermin Lord Corruptor into a priest, essentially, and a wizard at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then for the command traits, they've got a couple of good ones here. There's one if the general is a priest. It has to have a priest keyword, so you can't like have a corruptor with this in the Bubonicus. But you get to re-roll the dice to see if they successfully pray, which is cool. And then the big one on here that a lot of people are, may not catch right away is the Architect of Death. So for that one, you get to reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made with missile weapons by friendly pestilence units within six inches of him. And on its surface, it's like, what in this army shoots? Plague claw catapults. Yep. So they're kind of hinting already, like, this is the good stuff right here already. So there's some good stuff in here, lots of different options, so... It definitely makes up for a lot of the holes in this army, and we'll talk about that as we go through. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. So that's it for the General's Handbook. Let's start looking at some of these entries here. Mm-hmm. Get into the meat of it. Dude, the Vermin Lord Corruptor's kind of good. Yeah, he's he's pretty all right. <laughs> I mean, He's pretty tanky. Yeah. I mean, okay. He's got a three-up re-rollable to hit with ten attacks to start. Yeah, with his Plague Reapers in combat. Yeah. Did I wound but not kill you? Uh, at the end of my turn, I roll a dice and on a two-up, you get an extra mortal wound. So, just, you know, because I got you close but not enough, so now you have to die. Yeah. Um, now, he's got all of these attacks at threes to hit, threes to wound, but he doesn't have any rend, and it's only one damage. So, I mean, it's kind of... Okay, but it's still a lot of dice. Never mind the additional bump on the mortal wound output. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, his command ability, plus one attack to a unit within 18 inches. Mm-hmm. So you've already yeah, got it's... units that can put out lots of attacks. Giving them another attack to that horde is brutal. Yeah, and this is any Skaven unit. So if you ally in any Skaven units, you can bump them up. Also, it says one to the attack characteristics of all its melee weapons. The Plague Monks have the option to take two different melee weapons. Oh, that's right. So they can take a knife and a stick, which then puts them up to five or six attacks each if they have the knife and stick. Right. So that's a... It's the only command ability you have in the army, but it's a pretty big one, especially once we get into the Plague Monk scroll. Um, he's also got a pretty mediocre shooting attack, six inch reach, uh, five attacks to start, three by four, no rend, one damage. But on the whole, he's got a four up save, bravery 10, 12 wounds, and his spell is actually pretty nasty. He gets two spells in each hero phase, including like Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, 
and then Plague, which is his signature. So you get to... It only has a casting value of 6, so this one goes off pretty easy. But you pick an enemy unit within 13 inches, and you roll a dice for every model in that unit, and on a 6, they take a mortal wound, which is pretty hefty against these large units that we're going to be seeing now. And after resolving the spell, you get to roll a dice, and on a 4+, plus, you get to pick another unit, friend or foe, within 7 inches to then resolve the plague against on that same unit as well. And you keep rolling until you're out of units or everyone's been affected already. Or you don't roll that four between the units. Yeah. yeah. Now that that thing jumps everywhere. And I like how it jumps between it'll you know, I can get I can nail this guy, but then there's no other enemy units close by. Well there's a Skaven unit in between it. Who cares about them? Get them, and then it'll reach up. then it'll jump from them to the next guy. Mm-hmm. That's just that's great. That could be really tactical too. It could be absolutely. If you know you're going to do that, get your get your arm. Get, try to make sure you've got stuff moved up in between your your little hordes and spread out, and boom, you can hit everything. Then, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty fun. All right, the plague furnace. Uh the big gun on this is the plague sensor, isn't it? The great sensor, D six mortals mm-hmm. to start. It it falls yeah. to, now. It falls to D three mortals after its third wound. Mm-hmm. So once you got three wounds, it drops from D six D three. It drops pretty quick. It's only got a four up save, so you can lose. Yeah, you can lose three wounds pretty quick, because um, it doesn't drop down to one mortal from the D three until it gets eight wounds on it. So you're really looking at if if you've got a plague uh, furnace coming against you, you need to go at that and knock off some wounds really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, to, before it gets to you, yeah, before it gets to you. Now, it's the way the sensor works is you have to be in combat in order to use it, but you pick a point within three inches of the sensor or the furnace, and then you roll a dice for each unit within two inches of it in friends and foes, and on a four-plus, you take that many mortal wounds. So this thing isn't just hitting one unit. It's hitting multiple units. Wait, I thought with the fume, you're talking about the fumes and stuff? No, no, the the sensor itself. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. The sensor, it's, yeah. It can do stuff for anything within two inches, right? I'm sorry, I misread that. I wasn't thinking about it's that. It's all good. Um, and then it's got the fumes, so you get to pick a unit within three inches of the model, and on a four plus, it takes D3 mortal wounds, but you cannot affect Nurgle units. That so happens includes, a lot. Yeah. The poison gas doesn't do anything to Nurgle. Some of the infections, mm-hmm. it's harder to hurt Nurgle, but the gas does Zippo. Mm-hmm. So, um, what else is in here? Um, okay, so for it moves only it it only moves four inches, but for every three Skaven pushing it, or for every three Skaven within an inch of it at the start of the movement phase, add one to its movement characteristics. If there's at least 10 Skaven within an inch, uh, and you're going to see how far your charge, it makes two D6 attacks with rusty wheels and spikes instead of D6 on the charge. Um, here's my question about this. Do the rats that are all, I keep all around it so that it can move faster, do they charge when it charges? Like, are they, they're, they're not a part of the unit, are they? Right. They're just essentially like just pushing it and giving it a little extra shove when it goes in. 
so they're not with it. So like if it charges and gets a really good charge off and they don't get a very good charge off, they're not next to it next time. Yeah. Okay. Which means it goes off on its own. Yep. And they got to catch up. Mm-hmm. Well, let's right. see, what else does this thing do? I mean, it does a bunch of stuff. That's the thing. It's got a bunch of rules here. Yeah. It also gives Puzzle and Bravery to all Pestilence units within five inches of it because it is a loathsome icon. Right. And then the priest can cast Prayers. So he's got two that he gets to pick from, and these both go off on threes. The first of which is Rabid Fever, which is you pick a Pestilence unit within 13. And if a model from that unit is slain in the combat phase, it gets to pile in and hit back with one of its weapons before you take it off. So like how the Bloodbound have their shields where they punch back with the Blood Warriors, and if they die, they get to hit you back. These guys have that same thing now with all of their attacks when you kill them, and they kill very quickly. Yeah, that can get crazy. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is you get to reroll all failed wound rolls for a pestilence unit within 13 inches until your next hero phase. So, now you again, can't do, you can't do one priest, can't do both of these. They can only pick one. But if you have two plague furnaces mm-hmm. and if you were playing just straight pestilence, why wouldn't you? You could, yeah, yeah. You could put this on both. And then you just make sure that unit attacks first. So that way it gets all its attacks in normally. And then the, everyone who dies gets to do it again. Yeah. Just just stupid. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and wanna... then... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, do you want to jump to the Plague Claw next so that we keep the War Machines together? Cause... Yeah, we could. And the machine itself has a bucket of attacks between the sensor, the staff is a three attack, four to hit three wound, D3 damage weapon, and then the wheels are hitting on twos, wounding on threes, round one. So again, there's like no rend on these things. But they do put out a good number of mortal wounds. Um, and then we can get to the Plague Claw Catapult, which is one of the nastiest things. And probably one of the most underrated things, I think, is in the game right now. Because a lot of people don't really play with them. And I don't know why. I really don't know why. So the thing's only got six wounds with a five-up save and four bravery. That might be a big part of it. Yeah. Um, the range is six inches to 31 inches. 31, not 30, which 31 obviously is the inverse of 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, one attack, threes by threes, two rend, D6 damage. Um, you get D6 attacks from the crew, but if you're already at the Plague Claw, it's lost. Yeah, pretty um, much. So it can't charge, but you can add one to all save rolls for Plague Claw in the shooting phase. So get shooting, it's got a four up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can shoot at things that you, you can't see. And if oh, if the target unit you're shooting at has more than 10 models, plus one to hit, so now it's twos to hit, and the damage becomes 2d6. Uh, Nurgle units can only be wounded on this, but the wound roll only works on a six or more for Nurgle as opposed to three because the plagues don't bother it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, hitting on twos, winning on threes, re-rolling ones if you give it the Architect of Death on your general. So you do a lot of damage very quickly with these guys. Doing like Rend 2, 2d6 damage against a 10-pack. You're taking bros off. Yeah, that's just, it's more than 10. So 11 or more, more than 10 models. But fighting against hordes and stuff, a couple of these, plamp, 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 plamp. Oof. 
Yeah. That's really and, tasty. And they get better once we talk about the battalions um, when we get to that. So, Well, all we got uh, left are the priests and the monks and the bearers. And the so. censors. So uh, the plague priests, there's two different versions. There's one with a staff and one with a censor. And they each have a little different thing, but we'll just cover the similarities first. Yeah. Um, so they're move six, five up saves, six bravery, five wounds. Nothing super great to write home about. They, when they charge... Oh, God. No, I'm saying they both get plus one attack on the charge. Yep. And then they each get a prayer. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, and they have the same ones. So the first one is Pestilent Breath. So you pick a spot within 13 inches, roll a dice, and for every unit within two, and on a four or more... They take D3 mortal wounds, and Nurgle is only affected on a six. So this is so, actually a lot like the plague sensor, where you have to you have to pick a spot within like three inches of the sensor. Yeah, the, the giant sensor, and then everything within two inches takes mortal wounds. Yeah, it's like a Dracoth shooting attack. Yeah, um, but this is one of those that you can do the early prayers with, and it's not really going to hit anything unless you're really close already. But it's one of those things that you can use to start channeling to try to get the never plague going early. Um, And then the second one is Wither. So you pick a unit within 13 inches, and until your next hero phase, you get to add one to all wound rolls made against that unit. Yeah. So plus one to wound, especially if you're plague clawing it on three ups. Now it's two up to wound. Um, Yep. Or even some of these other, I mean going in the hordes and stuff like that. You know, fours to wound becoming threes to wound. Threes on the plague sensors, threes becoming twos. I mean that that wither spell, you can Mm -hmm. you can target an enemy and pound them with that. That's the synergy. It's the bonuses to the wounding. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Their stats kind of stink overall because they're wizards, you know. Yeah, they're just priests. They're just mooks. But they have they each one have their own little special thing. The one with the staff has a sensor so that all wizards, unless they're Nurgle, have to subtract one from their casting rolls if they're within six inches of it, which is pretty cool. Or the one with the fl- with the plague sensor has a book, and it's a once per battle. You can pick an enemy unit within 13 inches, and until your next hero phase, you can reroll all failed wound rolls against that unit. That right there, that you def you need that you need that guy yeah. in there because now your got your plague claws are wounding on rerollable twos. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with a wither and everything. Right now, their so, their attacks are slightly different, but once again, if you're fighting in in combat with these guys, you you've messed up. Yeah, I mean they can still do some output, but it's not anything to write home about. Yeah, well, I, I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk sensor bearers since they're not they're not they don't have ninety rules with them? Yeah, they're one of the easy ones. Yeah, uh, bravery fi- five, six inch move, one wound, no save. Uh, in the hero phase, they do mon- one mortal wound to any non Nurgle units within three inches on a four plus because of the fog from the plague sensor. Um. They got a two-inch reach with the sensor, two attacks, fours by threes, one rend, one wound. Uh, They get three attacks on the charge instead of two. 
And if they're within 13 inches of Plague Monks, they can reroll failed hit rolls and can also choose to reroll the Battle Shock. So rerolling fours if they're near Plague Monks with threes to wound, possibly better depending on if you, you know, have uh, a wither. Yeah. When you can wither, and with the guy with the plague sensor, he can pick one of them, and you get to reroll the failed wound rolls. You have plus one to wound, rerollable between the sensor mm-hmm. and the wither. It's that's just you can, you know, you may not hit, but if you hit, you're almost guaranteed that they're going to get hurt, just like it says in the in the lore. If you don't get hit at all, you're fine. But if they just nick you, you're probably going to die. Yeah, because and- the wounds go bad. Yeah, and with the Vermin Lord Corruptor's command ability, they get four attacks on the charge apiece. So you're going to be putting a hole in something. Yeah, no, that's nice. Um, they're not cheap. Or are they, comparatively? Um, five for 60? Well, that's actually not bad. You get 10 for 70 in the Plague Monks. The maximum size is 20. Uh, if it's a pestilence army, they're battle line too. That's the other thing. Yeah. So no, they're not bad at all. No, they're not that bad. Um, now let's look at the monks who have an entire page of rules. Yeah, and these guys are complicated because in the FAQ you actually get to take one of each of their banners and one of each of their musicians. Yes. Per the FAQ, so we're going to talk a lot about doubling up here with the with the banners. So these guys are really garbage stats, but when we get into the rules, you'll understand why they're actually really good. Uh, so their move six, no save, bravery five, one wound, typical rat. They have two attack profiles, the knife, which is two attacks, four by four, no ren, one damage, and then the staff has a two-inch reach, one attack, four by five. So, with no rend, one damage. So, nothing all that great. Now, I have However, a question. Go ahead. It says some of them are armed with two blades and some have a blade and a stave. So, if you decide to take the blade and the stave, they still get the two attacks from the blade. Like, that's not just because yes. you have two weapons. That's two attacks. If you have two weapons, they get the same two attacks and they get to reroll ones to hit, right? They get to reroll all fail to hit if they have two blades. Oh wait, did I misread that? Holy mackerel! Yeah, they get all failed with, hit. Oh, that's even oh, that, oh yeah. That's if they have two knives, and if they have it's and it's a unit basis. It's not a model basis, so you have to have a whole unit with knives or a whole unit with knife and stick. Okay, but if you have a unit with uh, two knives, they get to reroll all failed to hit rolls, which is pretty nasty. And these guys like. Almost everything else in here get plus one attack on the charge with the blade. So it's not the blade and stick get plus one attack. It's just the blade gets another attack. Okay. Um, so now, as we mentioned, these guys can take uh, multiple musicians and multiple banner bearers. But we'll get to the unit champion first. The harp. The uh, where is he? The bringer. Of the the bringer of the word. He's got two different pieces of nastiness that he can carry one of which is a plague scroll which is once per battle in your hero phase you can use it and pick an enemy unit within 13 inches of the bringer and until your next hero phase you can reroll all wound rolls of one made against that unit 
So you've gotten them down to two re-rolling ones. Yeah, or th- yeah. threes or whatever. Um, and then the other one is the Book of Woes. Now, this one is essentially he reads from the book, lets out a stinking fart of fury, pretty much. And you roll a dice for every unit within 13 inches. And on a four or more, that unit suffers a mortal wound. And Nurgle units are only affected on a six. So it's pretty nasty to do a little extra mortal wound output. This thing is ridiculous in Skirmish, if you've ever played uh, Skirmish with oh. Clans Pestilence, <laughs> because everybody's their own unit. So everyone's taking a mortal wound. Oh, that's just brutal. Yeah, so a neat little trick there. Um, so then we have the, the two bears. different... Yeah, there's two different ones. The first one you can take, and you're going to take both of them, because why wouldn't you, is the Icon of Pestilence, and this one's pretty nasty. If... An infected plague monk is slain in the combat phase from a unit with an icon of pestilence. You roll a dice, and on a six or more, the attacking unit suffers a mortal wound. In addition to possibly getting them to attack before they die, and everything like that. So it's just insult to injury, because they essentially explode and you do mortal wounds. And then the other one is the Contagion Banner. So this one, in your hero phase, you can choose to bless the Plague Monks to power their weapons up, and until your next hero phase, whenever you roll a six or more to wound for the unit, roll an additional dice, and on a six, you'd suffer a mortal wound in addition to other damage. So it's not very often, but since you have this for free, there's no reason not to do it. Right. Or not to take one. So there's a little bit of mortal wound output there. And then they have two different musicians. Uh, do you want to take these two? Sure. Um, you can either uh, bang the Doom Gong, which uh, minus one from running or charging for all enemy within 12 inches, at least uh, one unit that has a Doom Gong. So suddenly you're, you're slowing down. You're double thinking what you're doing. Uh, the Bale Chime... Um, each wound roll of six or more you roll when attacking with a unit is resolved with rend one. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have one of each of these. So suddenly this unit, it, and you've, you're giving it the plus one to wound. You know, you're giving it the re-rolling wounds. And now if you wound on a six, the... It, uh, those are rend one, so you have to separate those out. Separate out your sixes because those are, you know, those are doing and rend one. It also triggers the contagion banner. Oh, that's right. And then you roll that, and then boom. Then you roll another dice, and then you can do mortal wounds on that. So, yeah, and it, you you can give these guys plus one to wound though, right? So it's not a natural six. So suddenly this starts happening on fives. A third of your attacks are are um, <laughs> a third of your attacks suddenly have rend, and those attacks suddenly you get to roll uh, another thing, and a third of those rolls add mortal wounds. It's yeah, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And with the Vermin Lord Corruptor, you get these guys up to four attacks each with a knife on the charge. Rerolling all failed to hit rolls if they have two knives or if they have the knife and stick, it's four attacks with the knife 
on the charge or and two attacks with the stick. So you get a lot of attacks out of a very small footprint. Oh, it's it's pretty cool actually. Yeah. It, 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 uh, that's I'm reading really just this stuff. Just I I, had, I got confused. I had to start writing things down and looking for keywords, like mm-hmm. looking for where it said wound. I'm like, okay, so if this does this and this does that, and this guy comes in and does this, then suddenly I'm I'm you know wounding on rerollable twos, and uh, you know from this number up I'm doing extra wounds. I'm like, oh, this is there's some bookkeeping to do. Yeah, but like I said, all they have to do is hit you. Once they hit you. Mm-hmm. That's when everything goes crazy. They, there's, you know, it's all the extra wounding because of those the plagues and the and the disease that's on everything they have. Mm-hmm. All right. So why don't we do this? Why don't we get through this? Um, let's just keep going. Let's get through the uh, the the battalion. The there's only a couple of there's them. There's four. So, um, first one. Is the Congregation of Filth. You have to have a Plague Furnace and two or more units of Plague Monks. So you can pile in some Plague Monks in here. Um, basically, this sits in reroll charge rolls for Plague Monks that, that have 20 or more models and are within 13 inches of the furnace. So that's okay. And um, roll a dice each time a Plague Monk from a Contagion of Filth that's within 13 inches of their Plague Furnace suffers a wound or a mortal wound. On a six, the wound's ignored. So if you're already taking a plague furnace and a couple of plague monks, the Congregation of Filth allows you suddenly to get a six-up ward save. Mm-hmm. That ain't bad. No, it's not. Uh, and then from there we move on to the star of the show, and I think people are going to be more familiar with this than the rest of them, which is the Foul Rain Congregation. So this is a singular plague priest and three plague claw catapults. And this is two hundred points. The last one was one forty. This is a two hundred pointer right here. So this, this is the most expensive um, be, uh, war scroll battalion that they've got, and for good reason. Um, so keep in mind, if you take architect of death, you get to reroll once to wound with your shooting attacks. Never mind everything else. Right. So for this one, the Plague Priest can infuse the ammunition of the Plague Claws to even greater virulence, and you add one to any wound rolls you make for the Plague Claws as long as they're within 13 inches of said Plague Priest. So now you're wounding on twos, re-rolling ones? Yeah. Yep, which yes, is you are. pretty, pretty bananas. And if you've the- chosen that unit to, with, if you've targeted that unit with some of these other things that you can do, pick an enemy unit and that... Um, it's, it's just, okay, well, hmm, that's crazy, you know? Yeah. And for the second one is saturation of filth. So if a plague claw from this congregation successfully hits an enemy unit, you get to reroll failed to hit rolls from the other one or two that are left still in the battery. So you're now hitting on twos against units more than 10 models, rerolling to hit. Rerolling to wound, wounding on twos. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that, that's that's just so good. You know, I mean, you could target that huge unit or that hard to kill guy, and it's like, oh, I hit you with the first one, so now everyone else is definitely going to hit you. Like you've mm-hmm. been you t- target locked. You're 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 taking it. Um, 
especially or against hordes where you can get that 2d6 in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, the first one hit. Now you're definitely going to be taking it. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's a just, great anti-horde weapon. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? The Plague Smog Congregation. This is a furnace and two or more units of ba- sensor bearers. Uh, opponent must subtract one from hit rolls that target any unit of the Plague Smog Congregation. They can't see you through the fog. So yeah. basically it's minus one to hit with shooting. So that whole take it down before it gets to me because it's doing D6 mortals and the sensor bearers are doing extra wounds. Yeah, it's, it just got harder. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in your hero phase, roll a dice for each unit within three inches of any units in this congregation. On a two-up, they take D3 mortal wounds. Nurgle are not affected by f- poisonous fumes, so they don't take mortal wounds. So it seems weird because I keep reading through here saying, oh, this doesn't affect Nurgle, this doesn't affect Nurgle, this doesn't affect Nurgle. And it's like, at first you're thinking, wow, that's kind of unfair. But it's like, well, A, how often are you going to play Nurgle? And B, it totally makes sense. With the lore, I mean, Nurgle should not be affected by poisonous gases. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so minus one to hit them with shooting. And then if you're within three inches of them during the hero phase on a two-up, you take D3 mortals. It's uh, yeah, it's so funny because you can't afford to take all of these and still have an, a sizable army. Yeah. But each of these does something that's like, oh, that's, that's kind of good. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to come over here and try to take it out? Just start taking mortal wounds and dying all around. Yep. And then we get the last one. Yeah, now this one's the Rus- the Russian nesting doll. So this one is the Virulent Procession, which is a corruptor and two or more congregations of filth. Which so that's was- at least... Two furnaces and four units of plague monks. I could do that. I could. That's the one that seems like fun almost. Yeah. You know, except, so, I mean, granted, the foul rain congregation is the best thing, but this one is like, I'm probably going to take two of those and take four units. Like, if you're going with that theme, you're going to take all this stuff anyway. You might right. as well. I'm sorry, I was just looking up the cost. That's 180 points. Yeah, plus two other battalions. Oh, that's right. Oh, and the other battalions, those were, how much were they? They were 140. So you're looking at uh, 280 plus 180. You're looking at 460. Yeah, so it's a quarter of your army and essentially make it a one drop, but you'll have small units of plague monks. Oh, that's right. The units will be smaller. Maybe that's not worth it at that point. You have to get into a larger point game to make that work. Yeah, but so, so on top of what you get from the you know the original, which is the um, the six up ward save and the re rolling charges and uh, and runs, <laughs> what else do you get in this thing? So for this one, you, the Vermilord Corruptor gets to pick a unit within seven inches of it, and that unit suffers D six mortal wounds. There's no roll to wound; it just happens, and then he heals a single wound. For each mortal wound inflicted, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's right, because you have to actually that you're doing that against your own army. It has to be from or, this from this battalion. Pick a unit from the from this procession within oh, yeah, seven inches. You're picking on your own guys, so you're killing off your own little skaven to heal your own wounds. Mm-hmm. But still, so, that, that that fits with the lore perfectly. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Give me your life. What? There. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and what's the last part? 
The last one is at the start of each of your hero phases, you pick a terrain feature within 13 inches of the Corruptor and roll a dice for every enemy unit within 3 inches, and on a 4 or more, that unit takes D3 mortal wounds. Oh, so rats start pouring out of that piece of terrain, mm-hmm. and you might take mortal wounds. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's like having a toot-toot with you. Yeah. And it keeps him safe. See, yeah, I think if I'm paying for it, I'm probably only taking the Foul Rain Congregation. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's the most expensive. That's the 200-pointer, but that one's totally worth it. The other ones, you're you're losing a lot of models on the table, and that's the whole point of this army is models on the table. Right. You know, if you're playing a narrative game or a big game, you know, hey, I'm going to bring all this stuff, see what you can do and stop my hordes. Yeah, to take all those battalions. Go for it. Just take them. Let's mm-hmm. play this, you know. But I think that yeah. uh, for the most part, that's that. So what are you doing? If you're, are you, Do you go pure pestilence? I mean, Domus did that, didn't he? Yeah, Domus has a full pestilence army. Um, he was allying in uh, Wrathmongers for a little while until that was no longer a thing oh. uh, to get the Pestilence for Battle Line. But there are a couple notable mentions because these guys all have the Nurgle keyword. Right. And they can ally in Demons of Nurgle. They can't take Rotbringers. They can take in the Demons. So the big standout in there is Epidemius. Because he's Nurgle, and his tally affects all Nurgle models, of which Clans Pestilence is all Nurgle. Oh. And they get all of the bonuses from the tally as it clocks up. Oh, oh. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah. Now, with a normal Nurgle army, they don't have a lot of ranged weaponry, because most of it is slow plotting, so the tally doesn't really kick in really well. Plague Claw Catapults have the Nurgle keyword. <laughs> so you're going to jam that first tier immediately as oh, soon as you start right. doing damage. Oh, wow. So it's all the things that the Nurgle keyword kills. It's not Nurgle keywords that die don't get added to that. It's Nurgle keywords that kill. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. And these guys will jam through that really quick with the Plague Claws. So, so by the time they get to combat, they're rerolling. Ones to hit, the rerolling ones to wound, and anything that has an armor save gets ticked one better. That's the final tier. So most so, of your army isn't going to benefit, but a vermin lord corruptor or a plague or a plague furnace walking under a three up native save is pretty good. Yes, it is. Yeah. So he's a nice little add on, and then you have the vermin lord deceiver which is the ninja rat. He can use a skitter leap to relocate characters or skaven heroes. So you can get that plague furnace moved up real quick to have it charge in right away from only like six inches out. Oh, okay. So it's a nice little alpha strike. Plus he's a wizard and he's actually pretty good. And then, Outside of Clan's Pestilence, if you wanted to do like a Nurgle Force, the Glotkin. <laughs> oh, boy. Because, yeah, his command ability gives all Nurgle units within 14 inches of him plus one attack. Oh, no. Oh, yes. 
oh, this is this can get ugly. You know, Brandon's going to be mad. I think he had a Skaven army, and I think he sold it. Yeah, and he's got all this stuff. He's got the Glotkin. He's got Epidemius. He's got all of this stuff when he bought my Nurgle army because I had all the special characters. Mm-hmm. Except I, I don't know if I had the Glotkin or not. I might. I probably did. If I didn't, he bought them because I saw him working on them. Yeah. So you can get. There's a lot of synergy. These guys fill in a lot of gaps into Nurgle armies because they're so much faster. Because the average movement on those guys is only like four. But these guys moving six, plus they do a ton of attacks and a lot of damage, actually fill a good hole with the Nurgle armies. So that's see, these guys can be pretty brutal. They're just yeah, they're they're they lack the variety and the I think the depth of of options that the other armies have. But that's the same problem the Fire Slayers have. People playing them now know that they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that they're really good. Yeah. So, no, I I really want to see more of the Clan's Pestilence, but, again, it's a very daunting painting requirement. Yeah, but then again, it is kind of nurgly. It doesn't have to be pretty. You can be kind of filthy. Like, it can't necessarily be sloppy, <laughs> but it, can, it doesn't have to be pretty either. So, right. that's something about it. I think that's it. Are we done? Is that... I think so. I think that was the last little that's... bit we need to chat about. <sighs> this... What, you, you start stacking I'm, all week. I'm reading this on my lunch at work, going, "This could be fun. This could be fun. Like this could really yes. be, you know." And then after after getting hit with forty skeletons from Death Rattle with with Van Hells and getting uh, 130 attacks against me, watching that just tear through stuff, I'm like, "Oh, this could be fun. This could be." Ugh, I, no, I got too many projects to finish. That's what I'm telling myself right now. Because yeah. every time we do this, it's like, oh, that could be fun. That could mm-hmm. be fun. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's a cool army. I, I don't think we see enough of it because it gets overshadowed by Storm Fiends. Yeah, for Skaven purposes. Yeah, but this is this. There's, there's good stuff here if you've got the model count and you want to just shove this stuff forward and see what you can do because it can, it can really... It can deal out a lot of wounds. If you got some good saves, it might help you, but... All the chances for the extra mortals and the extra this and the double wounds there. And it's just like, oh, wow. This could really put that out really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fun little army. And I don't think the book does it justice. But that's <laughs> just me. Well, you know, it, 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 it still needs something. It really does need something. I mean, at least when they came out with it that quick and there was nothing new in it other than the lore. Because it didn't <clears throat> translate into the rules. I mean, with the, 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 all the bonuses to wounding translate into the rules, but that's just not enough to grab people and make them want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then by the time the GHB comes out, everyone's on other projects. Like, who cares? By the time right. GHB 17 comes out, they're forgotten. So, yep. All right. Well, folks, uh, hey, don't, uh, don't forget to check out After Olinor, the Garage Hammer Horus Heresy Book Club on the Free Voters Network. There's a lot of great shows there. And uh, that's the only place you can hear new episodes. Like part one of A Thousand Suns. That's going to be out soon. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, remember, check out uh, the Patreon page if you don't mind. Um, we really, really appreciate um, if uh, if you consider uh, donating. Thank you to the almost so close, almost 1% 
who are a part of making this show happen. And um, just a reminder to thank uh, all our newest patrons, Misty Tempel, Dagan Arnold, Donald Menerick, Ollie Grimwood, Oscar Johansson, Derek Bellow, and Jeffrey Penland. Um, seven, seven since the last show. That's like the biggest number we've had since we first started doing Patreon, so that's so cool. Uh, thank you all to deciding to be part of the Almost 1%. Alex, that's it. Yeah, it is. Uh, next time, folks. It's our end of the year wrap up. Elvis is Christmas. We're gonna have some Elvis Christmas music. We're gonna do our. Oh. Fa- it's, it's every year I do the I same. It's and it's awesome. So don't do that. Don't say oh to Elvis. He's the king. Um, yeah. He is. Mojo Nixon said so. Um, so we're gonna do the the end of year wrap up next episode. So uh, tune in for that. It will be out on Christmas, hopefully before Christmas. Hopefully we'll drop that a little early so that people can listen to it on their travels. But uh, that'll be it next episode. So, Alex, thank you for pointing out the little things I missed. All those little, no extra, problem. Th- those little extra synergies that you point out so well. That's my job. That's what I'm here for. Yep, yep. All right, folks, um, I guess that's it. Uh, check out the Facebook page if you want to join. Check out the uh, website. You can look through the stuff. We got our the patrons all listed up there under our patron page. Uh, someone asked me, hey, if I don't want to do Patreon and stuff, how can I get through to you? You can still click the link um, right there on sponsorship and just donate straight through PayPal if you wanted to. Um, that works. Uh, otherwise, just thank you for listening. This has been fun. All right. So, folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hand. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at GarageHammer. And Alex, that's me, is at SomeKindOfGeek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the GarageHammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.